We are live, just to let everybody know. Um, I'm Roger Steinbrock, the Communications and Events Manager for the Parks and Recreation Department. Uh, thank you, everybody, for coming. I know it's going to be a kind of a tight squeeze tonight. I apologize for that. Uh, we, since we have this hybrid concept of Zoom, uh, we only have a few locations that are uh, available for this type of thing. And this is where we normally have our meeting. Uh, number one, City Hall is being used right now at another meeting, and I think it's going to be ending. So we had to kind of, we've always tried to piece these things together so we can go back to back to back on the meeting. So I do apologize for the crampness, but hopefully we're all family here and uh, we can we can get along here um, in this wonderful town that we live in. Um, a few mo a few notes on public comment once we get to that part of the, the, the agenda. When the chair calls for public comment, individuals attending in person will be recognized and will approach. I'm gonna have you sit here to speak in this seat because it's got a microphone right there so you can be heard uh, to both on Zoom and the people in the room. We do ask you to speak up um, because it is, you know, I think actually sounds gonna be a lot better for this meeting tonight because we have so many people here. It deadens the room a little bit. Um, so that will help. Um, so, and since the meeting is on Zoom, we ask people to speak clearly. Individuals participating on Zoom should just use the raise the hand function to indicate they wish to speak. And then uh, please leave your virtual hand raised up until you're called upon to speak when it comes to the public uh, comment time. Um, so we want to remind people on Zoom uh, that the meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me and hopefully I do see them. It looks like I need to get some more people in as well. Um, and then unless you're participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the activity meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting when you're participating. Please turn on your video. Um, and then if you have any trouble, you can send me a chat and we'll get you taken care of. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individuals' videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. We do ask the people that are in the meeting to be our advisory board to have their cameras on during the meeting so they can take part in the discussion. And I know we've got Pat, if you would, um, and Andrea, I guess I'm doing your roll call for you there oh, a little bit. Thank so. you. <laughs> I think we got everybody here tonight with the one seat that uh, is open right now. So I will turn over the, the proceeds to our chair, Jackie Becker. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you all for attending. Amazing to see such community uh, outreach today. Uh, so we first will have to approve our minutes from the December 12th meeting. And I'll be looking for a recommendation. Uh, Sandra Nichol, board member, and I move to approve the December minutes. Carolyn Hall, second. We have a first from Amber and the second from Marilyn. All those in favor of approving our minutes? Aye. 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 I don't know who Deborah is. There's Jay's oh, there. He has a, he's <laughs> he's got it. Okay. All in favor, aye. 
None opposed? Perfect. Motion passes. All right, so now we're moving into public comment and there were, I believe, 72. No, no, that's no, for that's, the that's, minute. Yeah, this I, is just general public comment okay, for things so, that are not on the agenda. All right, so is there anybody in this room that would like to discuss something other than the parks and recreation fees? All right, come on in, welcome. You're with us, Steve? Yeah, not about... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> Oddly enough. Hello. 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 So I've met a lot of you before. So thanks for having me back. A little bit. Name is James Greason. Um, I am, I guess, I live here in a community. I'm a dad and a coach. Many things, but the reason why I'm here is baseball. So last year I had a little thing I put on called Why Not Baseball? And that was when I was here talking to you. And um, a lot of things were addressed and a lot of things were not. And I thank you for the things that were addressed. Um, mounds were taken care of. Uh, we did get fall ball. We had eight teams show up for the first time ever. But again, it was the first time that we were ever asked to have fall ball. So that worked out pretty good. Um, the big one is... Just because you fix the mounds doesn't mean you maintain the mounds. They had holes within a week, again. Um, maintenance is the issue, not necessarily the fix. Um, so just thanks for doing it, but let's not stop. Um, a big one was security that happened. During fall ball, we had a younger gentleman, probably middle school, early high school, climbing the fence. And we've been told that we would have security there at all times. And there was no one. In fact, we called the cops to try to get this kid down off of the fence. And eventually after some stern yelling from my, the dad side of me, he got off and ran away. Um, but yeah, the whole time we've been told that there would be somebody, a representative there to assist and there was not. Um, otherwise that would have been taken care of. And even going forward, they need to be there before the actual game time starts because we're there 45 minutes to an hour early. Um, so that needs to happen. But to go back to something I brought up safety-wise was AEDs. Obviously, a week, a week ago, we found out AED safe lives. And we need to reconsider having the person on site that we're told that will be there capable of giving CPR, first aid kits, and AEDs. That has to be redone. So revisit. Um, umpires. It's going to be a problem again this year. We've got to pay for the umpires. Got to. They have to have their apparel paid for. They have to have shoes paid for. They have to have all that taken care of. It's not their responsibility as high school kids to come up with the money to buy their first round of stuff when they probably don't have a job to begin with in order to make minimum wage, I'm guessing, umpiring facilities. That has to change. I'm going to let you know you have one minute. Okay. Your door down the street pays for everything. So remember that smaller place, they take care of people. Um, so apparel, everything else. Last meeting, I heard that we have a sponsorship for $3,500 from uh, Dix. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Eudora got $150,000 for two billboards. 
150 grand. And we're celebrating $3,500 as Lawrence, Kansas for a dick sponsorship at an $8.7 billion company. Um, so that needs to be redone as well. I know I'm up on time. I'm going to leave this comment that was done on LFK for Dummies Facebook page. I don't know. I don't have time to read it. So I can send it out on Evo if you want to pass it around. But this makes our town look really bad. That's what I got. Good luck for you all. Maybe if we can get some good sponsorships, you can keep your feet down. But that's what I got. Thanks for your time again. I imagine I'll be in a couple months. Is there anybody else in the facility wishing to talk about something other than the fee structure proposed? <laughs> uh, that is not related to the fees and whatnot that we, yes. uh, okay, this is independent of that. No, it's about the fee. Okay, yeah, so that is coming. This is, this is general public comment first, and we'll have that coming up just uh, in a little bit, okay? Anyone on Zoom looking for public comment other than what's on our agenda? Does not look like it. Okay, so not hearing any. Um, Advisory board, obviously with our agenda items, we have two things, one and two. And I would like to propose because we have such a large amount of community engagement here that we begin with number two and move the board elections to number two once we finish with all of this. Sure. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, with that being said, we're going to move into agenda item now number one, which is the 2023 Parks and Recreation Update. Am I good, Roger? Yeah, you're good. Okay, I go ahead. Uh, Lindsay, the presentation incorporates, you got to say that. Yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director, thank you all for coming. Uh, we are presenting to you tonight a fee presentation that we brought to the advisory board back in December. And so we're going to go through it again. Uh, it has a lot of um, important and helpful information that we want to share with everybody with us today, as well as online. And uh, uh, another item to note, um, after the presentation in December, we created a task force with three members of the advisory board and three members of staff and worked together to come up with some other options for additional revenue and some recommendations that we're gonna provide. And uh, that information is gonna be presented and shared with you at the end of this presentation. So we've added it to the end so that will be reviewed and discussed as well. So uh, to, to kick things off, really uh, what we wanna start with is uh, you know, a, a look at the history of our expenses and revenues and talk through why are we here. Um, so if you can see on this uh, presentation, we can show you what our expenses and revenues have looked like um, from 2017 to the present. And uh, you can see uh, 2017 to 2020 uh, expenses and, and revenues were, were pretty static. Obviously in 2020, that's when the pandemic hit. So through COVID, um, you can see that our revenues, which is in the, the orange or the yellow color there, uh, the revenues obviously decreased um, 
incredibly <laughs> um, due to the pandemic. And so uh, then coming out, coming out of the pandemic, uh, you can see the blue line indicates our expenses and you can see how they have increased. And then you can kind of follow where, where the revenues uh, in 21 and 22 revenues did rebound. Uh, and we were, we were happy to see that they were able to come back up. And I think a lot of that attributed to uh, staff got better at adapting the way we do things, the way we program, just as everybody did. Everybody kind of had to figure out a new way of doing things. And we had to get creative and, and find ways to continue to provide recreation services to the public. So we were able to see a rebound in the revenues. Um, coming into 22, last year we were hopeful that maybe those numbers would increase a little bit more. Uh, but as you can see, that 22 estimate is, is our actual projection on, on where we were going to end up at the end of last year. And it wasn't much higher than 21. And uh, no one has the magic answer, but we, we think that I think people were still not comfortable coming out. We were still seeing a really slow climb back into participation. And so, uh, you know, the, the increase in revenues were just not quite what we were hoping to see in 2022. Uh, so bringing us to this year, the 2023 budget, um, these that column for 23 is what our, our budgeted expense and our budgeted revenues are. And so you can see the expenses have jumped um, quite drastically, as well as the revenues. And you know, when you when you look back again, why are we here? What's the history? Uh, uh, a big thing was during the pandemic, we focused on the safety and health and wellness of our community, and we did not raise fees. So many fees have not been increased since you know 2019, 2020. Um, and that was that was very important to us, and so we did not want to have fee increases during that time. Um, we also had to, over the last few years, had to increase part-time staff wages to help with recruitment and retention. Um, you've heard a lot about our struggles with aquatics, especially getting lifeguards, as well as across the board in all of our uh, program areas. Uh, so when you look at there, and uh, one of our advisory board members had asked this earlier, the, when you look at the blue lines, the expenses in 22 and 23 are quite a bit higher. Part of that uh, is attributed to uh, the CIP project budget is included in our general fund. What is, what is CIP? Uh, capital improvement projects. Uh, prior to 22, those were in a separate budget within the, the city funds, but now they have been put into our general fund budget. Uh, we are also looking at uh, the, the city, which I'm going to get to here on the next slide. The city is now following priority-based budgeting, which is a new budget system. So it's called PBB budgeting. And it, it's, uh, it allocates all the direct and indirect operational expenses to our project budgets. And it's actually a, a more a, a true way to look at the, all the expenses. But prior to, to this year, they were not included in our budgets. And some of this includes internal city service departments, such as water, HR services, finance, uh, IT department, things like that. And so that's why you're seeing an increase in the expenses. Uh, and then in addition to that, we're, we're looking at having to increase the revenue to go along with it as well. Um, oh, sure. Um, yeah, Lindsay, when we talk about the um, expenses, um, John, right now during the presentation needs to just happen exclusively and then we as a board would ask questions as soon as they're done with the presentation, okay? okay? So you can take some notes and then we'll bring you back right. after that. Okay, yeah, we'll be happy to answer any questions at the end. Um, the city also uh, 
put together a $10 million uh, pay plan for employees uh, broken into two years, $5 million each year to increase uh, full-time salary wages to bring them up to market rates. And so that is also um, being attributed to our expenses as well. Um, so again, just kind of wanted to start with this to show a history of the expenses and the revenues and you can see kind of where we've been and where we're at. So moving on to the next slide, we just quickly want to talk through the cost recovery philosophy for the Parks and Rec Department. And this pyramid that you see up here is a cost, re cost recovery model that is a, a national and regional best practice model for parks and recreation agencies. And uh, in back in the 90s, this was created in Boulder, Colorado, um, and, and they had realized that you know, many agencies were charging programs and recovering costs, uh, but they did not have a strong foundational underpinning for the whys and the hows of what they were doing. And so uh, this is a standard best practice in 2018, ePrep Solutions from Boulder, Colorado, visited our department and helped us uh, uh, put together a plan and we refined this model uh, and tailored it to reflect the Lawrence values uh, and we continue to follow this today. And so just real briefly, you can see that the cost recovery philosophy considers levels of tax support, which is the subsidy level, uh, based on community values. And so the tiers from the bottom level is most community benefit, which is zero to 10% cost recovery. That's gonna be things such as parks and trails, uh, typically things with no fee associated to it. Um, and, and that accounts for about 50% of our budget uh, for the Parks and Rec Department. As you move up the, the tiers, um, if you go all the way to the top, that's highly individual, private lessons, tournaments, things like that. Um, and so it's gonna be more of an 80 to 100% cost recovery. Um, this pyramid considers you know, who, who benefits as far as skill develop, development, physical, mental health, and safety, uh, levels of service, the availability of service to everyone, is it limited in age, ability, or skill, um, historical expectations, uh, you know, what have we done that the community ex expects, for example, um, events, you know, things that we have done in the past, such as holiday lighting, summer band concerts, um, the anticipated impacts of service, uh, and the community value of the service. So again, what's the perceived value by our community members, policymakers, city staff? Uh, so the, the tier one at the bottom, again, uh, you know, accounts for 50% of our budget. Um, it's the most subsidized. Uh, again, zero to 10% parks, trails, open spaces. If you go up to tier two, um, that's considerable community benefit. Um, you're, that's where our rec centers, rec facility management, Sports Pavilion Lawrence, the Nature Center, uh, those should all be recovering 10 to 50%. And then any staffed facility should be in a range of 25 to 50% cost recovery. Uh, tier three is more balanced between individual and community benefit. Uh, you're gonna see things, uh, programs such as summer camps, sports leagues, uh, the year-round recreational swim teams, cemeteries, um, et cetera. Um, that should be anywhere from 51 to 75% cost recovery. Uh, then tier four is getting more of the, the individual community benefit, uh, which would in, include a lot of our recreation programming, um, programs and classes, competitive youth and adult sports, and golf, uh, the golf course at 60 to 100%. Then again, you get to the top tier. Um, this, you know, covers, you know, private personal training, um, competitive lessons, programs, and things like that. So 
this next slide, we just quickly want to discuss. Um, this was presented, um, you know, during the budget process uh, for the 2023 budget. Uh, but it's again, I mentioned it earlier. It's the priority-based budgeting, which is the the new budgeting uh, plan that the city follows. And again, while our our focus tonight is on fees, we just want to remind everyone that uh, the city continues to use and refine this process, and it does align with the strategic plan. Um, so, so this process allocates all direct and indirect operational expenses to the program budget, and it does allow the city to better understand the true cost of a program. So as I mentioned earlier, it does include all the indirect expenses, such as internal service charges and things like that. Um, I know it's hard to see this, this graphic, but it shows quartile one, two, three, and four. Uh, quartile one is most aligned, uh, which for us uh, is where our parks, trails, and open spaces, community events, and downtown streetscapes lands in quartile one. Uh, most of our parks and rec programs fall in the middle in quartile two or three. Um, however, we do want to mention that um, in quartile four uh, for parks and rec, we have the cemetery and levee maintenance programs, the golf course and Prairie Park Nature Center. Oops, I lost my, all right, so. Uh, this is just a quick graphic to show um, kind of the, the fees to revenue relationship. So the blue line is theoretical and the yellow line is what we consider realistic. So if you look at the expenses and our, our target goal of revenue, the blue line is theoretically, that's where we should be headed with fees. We are trying to be more realistic and fair and equitable to the community. And it's it's a balance that we have to find, you know, with our staff when we come up with fees and uh, uh, programs that, that we're more following the realistic line, uh, which unfortunately doesn't always mean that we hit our target revenue goals. But uh, we do want to point out that we keep these things in mind. And uh, in, in a main example is if you go too high with your fees, then you're going to lose attendance and people aren't going to want to come. And we're very well aware of that. We're obviously passionate about what we do. We want people to attend our programs. And so, you know, we again, we have that balance where we're we're trying to hit a target goal, but we also want to be as fair and equitable as possible. Um, so, again, when we're analyzing cost recovery fee and expenses, um, you know, we take all these things into account as well as market rates uh, when we're analyzing and setting fees. So uh, this is giving a snapshot of the 23 operating budget. And so uh, I, I mentioned this earlier that the um, about half of our budget is, is mostly uh, subsidized. And so if you look at uh, park cemeteries and the CIP, it's about 9.2 million, um, which is roughly 49%. I mean, that's half of our budget. And so the other half is, is our recreation and golf programs, uh, which is a budget of 9.6 million. And so again, it's just uh, just giving a visual of, of how the budget is, is separated and allocated. And so when we look at cost recovery, over here on the left is this chart I showed on the on the first screen. So just wanted to have this up there too as a comparison again. Um, but when we look at the 22 budget compared to the 23 budget, um, the 22 budget uh, operating expenditures were about 17 and a half million, and the revenue budget target goal was 4.6 million. And so that gave us about a 26% cost recovery. Again, these were budgeted numbers. So for 23, our operating budget has increased to 18.8 million, 
with a target revenue budget of 6.4 million. Again, and that is bumping us up to a 34% cost recovery. Um, if you go back in the history, back to 2017, 18, 19, we were closer to that 34% cost recovery. So we are trying to slowly work our way out of the, you know, the pandemic hole that we were uh, put in and get back up to a better cost recovery rate. And so when you look at the actuals versus budgeted, again, for 22, our target revenue budget was 4.6 million. And final numbers haven't come in from December yet, but we have projected that, we're, that we ended the year at about 3.7 million. Uh, so you can see that's quite a gap for 22. So now moving into 23, our budgeted target revenue is 6.4 million. <coughs> So moving ahead, uh, we're looking at fees for 2023. Uh, just wanted to mention that we have over 1,500 fees, and we, we did our best to put together a list that, that was posted on Friday. And so some of them we, we put ranges, but you know we did our best to list as much as we could. We want to share this information with you all. Um, but we looked at programs such as the cemetery, facility rentals, park and shelter rentals, field rentals, programming, also aquatics and golf, which I'm going to get to in a minute. Um, so for these fee increases, uh, we're looking at mostly a range of 10 to 30 percent. Uh, towards the end of the presentation, I will show you a, a better breakdown. There were some areas where we went higher than 30 percent, but again, we analyzed market rates. Uh, there were some areas where we felt we could go higher to to right size our pricing and and you know felt we got to a place that we were comfortable with. Um, so we do plan to put these fees in effect on February 1st. So to give a little bit of breakdown, I'm going to go through some programs here, uh, just to give a kind of a snapshot of what some of these fee increases are going to look like. So uh, for summer camp, we're going to be going from $100 to $130. That's per week. Uh, the Prairie Park, Park Nature Center summer camp will be going from $130 to $190. The DeCaba Baseball um, 8 and Under program will be going from 110 to 120 and then adult kickball will be going from 165 to 180. So again, this is just kind of showing you a snapshot of a couple different program areas so you can see kind of what we're looking at. Um, a question has come up multiple times, so I just want to take the chance now to mention that uh, for the Sports Pavilion Lawrence, uh, the tournament fees that we charge for tournaments to come in, those fees are going up as well. So that's absolutely part of this program. They will be going up along with all the other fees. So again, another, uh, just take a look at the cemetery budget. Uh, single grave space will be going up from 1,050 to 1,375. And for non-resident, it'll be going up from 1,500 to 1,950. And that's for cemeteries, that was a 30% increase uh, for that budget. Um, so now we're gonna break down a little further into aquatics and then golf. Uh, and so if you see, again, the, the blue chart is expense and then the yellow is the revenue. So for the 2022 numbers, uh, these are what we projected to be actuals. Uh, and so that put us at a 31% cost recovery for 2022. If you look at 23, this is what's projected. This is our budgeted numbers. We should be at 56%. That's, that's the, the range according to our cost recovery pyramid. That's where we should be. So this is, is what we're looking at for 2023. And again, I just want to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, 
this budget has gone up the expenses you can see the the increase again that goes back to the the pbb budgeting system now allocates all the indirect and direct expenses together um and you know including inflation chemicals you know there's there's a lot of things that we look at for these budgets when you break them down um but that's that's part of why these uh, expenses have gone up again is a lot of the internal service charges And so a breakdown of some of the aquatics fees that we're looking at, uh, the daily admission for child, teen, and senior would go from five to $6. For adult, it would go from six to seven. Uh, and then just to show you just an estimated revenue increase just by uh, increasing those admission fees, we think could bring us about $25,000 um, in increased revenue. Uh, lane rentals for the short course would go up to $10 an hour for the long course would go up to $20 an hour. And then you can see the swim lessons would go up to 55 for the week lesson, and then Saturday lessons would go up to 33. There we go. Okay, so now for Eagle Bend Golf Course, we'll kind of go through the same breakdown. Um, in, in 22, you can see the revenues were great. We were over 100% in uh, revenue support. Uh, but again, you can see their budget is also going up in expenses. So, uh, it, you know, looking at the revenues, 84% is, is what their projection is. And so we're hopeful that we can at least hit that goal. But again, it's going to be a lot tougher in 23 just because of the, the difference and the increase that we're seeing again. Uh, because of the, the PBB budgeting system. And so looking at a breakdown of the Eagle Bank golf course fees, uh, if you're looking at 18 holes with a cart, um, the fees for Monday through Thursday is going to go up to 44. The Friday fee would be 47. The weekend and holiday fee will be 59. Um, and again, we're just estimating uh, that a projected revenue increase for this would be about 106,000. And the golf course fees, uh, these are uh, showing a 20% increase for golf. And I apologize, back to the aquatics. Aquatics was a mix of 20% and 30%. It was 20% for the daily admission and then 30% for some of the uh, lane rentals and the programs. So with all of this, we also wanted to mention uh, you know, we are doing everything we can to help. So how are we helping? Uh, you know, equity inclusion is, is on the forefront of every conversation that we have. Um, so we were able to increase funding for those that may be struggling financially. Uh, so we were able to see uh, an increase in the We Folks Scholarship Program, which is youth ages 18 and under. Um, we, we received an additional 20,000 for this year. Uh, so that scholarship fund is at 55,000. And then we created a new adult scholarship fund this year for 30,000. And so uh, those are available. Those um, can be used for many of our programs. Um, and so we're, we're continuing to provide as, as many opportunities as we can for people um, to use our services. So now we're, we're kind of getting to the end of the presentation and I'm gonna to start to talk a little bit about what the task force 
um, discussed and, and some options that we're bringing to you tonight. But, um, you know, kind of talking about how to close the budget gap. Again, I, I wanted to point out that, again, for 22, the projected end of year revenue, uh, we think we're going to end up at about 3.7 million when our target was 4.6 million. So that is a general fund gap of 900,000 that we saw as a shortfall from last year. So moving into this year, for 23, with the proposed fees increases that I just discussed, the program fee increases for golf, aquatics, and things like that, we think that we could bring in a, a revenue of 4.4 to 4.6 million. But again, with a 6.4 million target goal for 23, that still leaves us one, about 1.8 to 2 million short. Uh, so again, this brings us back to the why are we here, why are we having these conversations. Uh, and, and so a couple things to note, if, you know, we're not quite out of the hole yet, even with these proposals, but what, what we, I think we've all kind of agreed that we don't want to go too high, too fast. And so there will be fee increases that will continue. Uh, and so we do need to try to get back on track. Even with this proposal, we're still going to be short of the budget. Um, and but at least it kind of shows us, you know, where we were and where we should be. Um, you know, marketing is going to play a big part of this. We have a great marketing department. Uh, we have staff in place who are going to help us continue, you know, the marketing efforts. We want to continue to bring people, uh, bring new users and current users and, you know, make sure we're we're really pointing out the, the wonderful things that we offer and provide and, and can continue to get support uh, from the community. Um, and there will also be more effort on sponsorships. I know this has been brought up many times. Um, we will be working on a plan that will be brought forward in the coming year. Um, we're going to work together with other city departments and talk about different ways in which we can um, enhance our sponsorships for the department. So again, just kind of a, in conclusion, you know, again, we're, we're here because, you know, we haven't raised fees over the last few years. We really focused on the, the health and wellness and safety of the community. So, uh, you know, we are sitting in a spot where we need to talk about some uh, solutions to fill the gap. So the task force was put together. Um, and we talked about some different options for both the program fees that I mentioned earlier, um, as well as some new facility admission fees as a possible um, revenue uh, addition that we can um, put on the table. Um, so when looking at the options for program fee increases, um, option one would basically be what I, what I mentioned earlier, um, talking about increasing fees between about 10 and 30%. Um, we think that would bring roughly, a, 800,000 in estimated revenue increase. Uh, when meeting with the task force, we did talk about, could we raise fees higher and avoid having to look at options such as admission fees or things like that? When we did look at, look at uh, increasing the fees higher, we felt that maybe we could bring 900,000 in additional revenue. And so once we looked at those fees and what they would look like and the difference, um, it didn't seem like it was worth going that much higher to bring in a, a small amount of revenue difference. And so uh, we did land on option number one, which I'm gonna go into a little bit more detail here in a second. Um, and so that's kind of where we landed with the program fees. So then we uh, began discussing um, you know, considerations for facility admission fees. Um, and I wanna say that the facility admission fees would, would include Sports Pavilion Lawrence, Holcomb, East Lawrence Center, the Community Building, and the Prairie Park Nature Center. Thank you. 
And so two options that we looked at, option one uh, would have would charge fees to everybody. So regardless of age, it'd be a family type membership um, and that we estimated could bring in possibly 400,000 in increased revenue. Um, it was quickly discarded. No one was interested in that discussion. And so uh, we then moved to option two, which um, again, I'm gonna get into a little more detail, um, but that is where we're um, proposing that youth would be free. Um, so then it would only be an adult admission. Um, and we're estimating that that could bring in a possible 200,000 um, increase in revenue. So again, I'm gonna go into these a little bit deeper. Um, talking about the program fees, again, option number one is what we're looking at as our proposal. Um, and so it kind of breaks down just to show you real quick what the percentage uh, of the increases look like. So you can see we were able to go a little higher under facility and shelter rentals, um, and but mostly the camps and sports, cemeteries, aquatics, golf program fees were 30% or less. Um, again, just to show you option two that we decided were too high, um, fees would have been 30% at a minimum in all program areas, but we would have been looking at aquatics going up to 35%, golf going to 30%. Um, and when, when we looked at those examples, it was very obvious that the task force just was not comfortable with those. The daily admission for aquatics would have gone up $2. Um, golf rates, you know, would have would have just gone too high. And so again, we landed with option number one for the program fees. So to break down the option of some type of a membership or annual pass, you know, a, a facility admission fee, again, you can see option one, uh, which we quickly ruled out, um, but you can see kind of the numbers and options that we looked at. Uh, but where we landed was option two, um, which again, youth are free. Uh, so it would just be charging an adult um, admission. Um, an annual pass would be $100. Um, a monthly individual pass would be $10, um, or just a daily entrance would be $3. But again, we, it was important to offer a, a pass option for either monthly or annual so you're not having to pay every single time you come into the facility. And we did talk about drop-in fees, which other uh, communities do, but Again, we felt like it was just a lot simpler uh, and made a lot more sense financially to do some type of a pass. Um, I do want to mention that for the youth, um, that's going to be 18 and under. So when we're talking about an adult um, admission, it'll be for 19 and older. Um, the task force discussed our top two priorities and values, and we were all unanimous, uh, and we all wanted to make sure that youth would be free and that low income eligible community members would also be free. Um, and as we went through those discussions further, it obviously became very obvious that we didn't want any barriers. We didn't want any situation where anyone was uncomfortable filling out paperwork or standing in line or being in any type of situation that would make them uncomfortable. And so um, part of this uh, recommendation is that, you know, we are, we want to work with the community and demonstrate trust and we will not require any documentation whatsoever. Uh, if, if you feel you are low income eligible, then we are going to give you a, a free pass. Um, and the guidelines that we're going to, that we'll use if anyone questions or if they're not sure, um, will be the federal poverty rate of 185% or lower. Um, and that can be found online and we'll have that information available. But again, um, 
we're not going to ask questions. Um, and so we're going to have a registration form that we come up with that is very simple and easy for everyone to fill out in order to get a pass. Uh, a couple other things I want to clarify is that only users of the facility will pay. So if you are a parent dropping off or picking up a child or you are a spectator or you're coming to a class, you will not have to pay admission. You're only going to pay if you are coming in to use our facility. Uh, and so if, if you have a program, you will sign up for that separately and you will be allowed in. Um, again, parents and spectators will not be charged. Uh, other things, staff are working out the logistics of this. Um, our plan is that this would be put in effect March 1st. Um, we do have part-time staff at the front desks already. We already take uh, cash for payments and things like that, so we feel we are well equipped and prepared to uh, make this change if, if it is uh, recommended and approved. Um, and then another thing you'll see on here is a non-resident fee. Um, which would be for non-Douglas County. So residents will be considered Lawrence Douglas County residents. Um, we did want to show, I know this is a lot of information and it's kind of hard to read through, so I'm going to skim through it quickly, but the task force did do some market rate comparisons, so we just wanted to share that. Uh, they recommended a, a few places that we look up, so we kind of worked together on, on what uh, different communities wanted to look at, but you can see that there are some that are fairly comparable, um, you know, but um, as I mentioned, some do just drop-in fees or like Ames, Iowa, you can see just as a weight room visit fee. Um, uh, but Iowa City, uh, which was a comparable, has an annual pass of 227. Uh, Pflugerville, Texas, uh, annual pass of 100. Um, so that was uh, some national uh, market comparisons and then some local um, we looked at Eudora, which for a single adult annual pass is 240. Um, some, some other Johnson County um, communities were looked at as well, uh, but we did want to look at Shawnee County and Wyandotte, we felt were, uh, the task force felt was comparable to our community. And um, Shawnee County does more of the drop-in fee as well, and Wyandotte County does not currently charge a fee. Um, and again, it was worth noting that we do have other private local gyms in the area that charge, uh, most of them charge about $10 a month. Um, and, you know, one thing that, again, with our marketing efforts, we do want to highlight that we have the, um, you know, we have gyms and open play options and things like that, um, which most of the other ones are, you know, typically fitness equipment. So as far as our uh, kind of in closing final recommendation, again, I just wanted to point out that through the task force, uh, we discussed many times our priorities and values and just wanted to make sure that, that any recommendation we come up with is fair and equitable. So again, um, we talked about you know using the federal poverty rate of 185% or less to get a free pass. Um, We're not going to require any documentation. Youth will be free. Uh, and again, the, the non-resident rate will be applied to an, a facility admission fee. Um, so again, our, our, our final recommendation that we ended with would be option one for the program fees and then option two for the admission fees. 
Um, again, you know, we still need to continue to adjust fees in the future and manage expenses, but we felt like this is, is slowly getting us uh, out of the gap and, and on the right track. So um, we appreciate the effort of the advisory board. I want to thank the task force, uh, who is Marilyn Hole, Amber Nickel, and Jackie Becker. Um, and then the staff was myself and Kent Reddig and Mark Hecker. Um, so with that, I'm going to pass it over to Derek for any final and thank you, Lindsay. I think that was uh, very well prepared. And I really do appreciate all that coming from the staff and all the public comments, emails, phone calls, all the folks here tonight. This is something that everybody's passionate about. Um, I just wanted to go back and recap a little bit where we were at last year's budget meeting. When we went for the 23 budget, and this was in the spring, early summer, um, what I recall from that was Nobody wanted to talk about raising property taxes, don't cut anything. And then we proposed uh, fees to help close the budget gap to include, it would be increases in fees with uh, aquatics and uh, golf, uh, potential membership cemeteries across the board. We would look at that, could be as high as 30%. Um, task force got together and looked at numbers and adjusted and so that's why you see fees a little less than uh, what was potentially projected. The other thing that came out of that was uh, besides don't raise property taxes and fees was um, don't cut anything. So Prairie Park Nature Center, our goal and our task was to get Prairie Park Nature Center financially sustainable and back on track. Um, I, I believe they can do that, but the expenses have increased. And so the question comes up, where do the expenses increase? I think we all see increased expenses these last year, year and a half, when you go to the grocery store or you go anywhere else in town. But labor, the city has taken the initiative to take care of the people. We did two market surveys. $10 million went to uh, employee salaries. Um, Five million went in 2022 and five million in 2023. Um, what's changed besides the increase in salaries and part-time salaries? At the peak of summer, we had over 720 part-timers to get folks to come in and help us. We raised part-time salaries substantially. In some cases, it was 30% or better, and we still didn't have enough lifeguards. Lifeguards is a a national problem. Uh, trying to get folks to be lifeguards. Um, and in some cases, we've tried unique recruiting and other things, and it's not financial that they get them to come in. It, it's still a, a nut we're trying to crack, the crack. But those have been some of the challenges we've been faced with. Um, this isn't an easy decision. Nobody likes to talk about changing things. What, what, can it, what tools are available to the department? We can raise fees, we can cut expenses, we can adjust budgets. When we go into the budget season, which is coming up here in March for the 2024 budget, we will be tasked with balancing our budget. Department directors will do that across the city. Then we sit down with the city managers, staff, and the other departments, and we work on balancing the budgets as a whole and what are the proposals gonna be. So that, that's where some of this is gonna go. If we don't close this gap, uh, the question becomes, who makes the hard decision? Um, is the recommendation to not do user fees and how do we close the gap? And that's a tough one for the public. Typically, in government, the way it works, 
is property taxes, funds, the building of the facilities. Users pay for the operation of the facilities. Uh, so if users, if we say users don't pay, does that mean that rhetorical question, should property tax owners pay more? So is that fair and equitable? Should users of our programs be charged more to help cover um, keeping the rec centers for free? Th those are tough choices. They really are for the community, for the department, and for the city commission. So something to keep in mind that Everybody's got a program that's near and dear to them. I don't care whether it's pickleball, whether it's golf, whether it's swimming, um, open spaces, rec centers. There is something that somebody says, this is what I use and this is what I really care deeply about. Everybody does this, this is great for our, our community's health. And free isn't free. So if we say, yes, let's, Property tax should support this more. And do we have enough to, to get there? I don't know. We'll find out in the next round of, of uh, working on the 2024 budget. But you're going to have people on the other side that say, well, I don't use those facilities. I supported building them, but I, I never go to a rec center. So those are part of the tough questions of, that we deal with quite a bit, not only as a department, but as an advisory board. So with that, Roger, what's the next, is it? It opens back to the board, it goes back to Jackie so, and. Yeah, so now I'm looking currently for any board questions to the presentation we've just. I, I have a question. When we talk about the gap between the revenue and the expenditures, and there's always been a gap, right? That gap is filled with, um, um, by the city's general fund, right? It has been. Well, wait, wait, wait. So, so if we if if we increase the gap, then that means the city's general fund is having to provide more money to the department to meet its ex expenses, which means it's going to have to come from another department. Or internally, and we can't absorb. Well, we we've we've said, but that's why there's always a gap. That's why there's always been a gap. Is it impossible for Parks and Rec to raise enough revenue to cover its expenses? So the general fund has to do that. But if the general fund has, if the gap increases, we don't we can't raise taxes. And we can't reallocate to other departments. So that's, I just wanted to help people maybe understand a little more about where that, where that money comes from in the gap. Any other questions, thoughts, comments for the board? From Zoom or here in the room right now. This is, this is this is we're currently just doing just the advisory board, and once we are in a completed space, then we will move on to public comment, and we'll take care. I have a question not about what she presented. Is that no, that that will come once we finish the board's questions and comments. Jackie of John Blazik on the screen. John. Hi, Jackie. Thank you. This is John Blazik, advisory board. I have some pretty direct questions and I want to ask because I have been bombarded by community members. So I, I kind of understand a little bit. I was going to ask, how could we be in a six year cycle? And I've been on the committee for the people that don't know me for six years and I'm coming out of the education world and I was a principal. So this is why I'm pretty black and white. 
so I see six years we were under the budget. Uh, we were shortfall. I, I still struggle, and I know I just heard John talk about not raising taxes. I've lived here 10 years. My taxes have gone up every year, so I, I don't believe they don't raise taxes. But why, why does a recreation uh, have to pay for IT and HR and park maintenance and Christmas lights and cemeteries? Uh, where does that mentality come from? I'm lost because I'm kind of like John. You can't support all that. So I know there's a maintenance line item that spends lots of money and has no income. Is Where am I lost on that, on Derek, on why, why we have to pay or the rec has to pay for all that stuff? And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I'm going to pass that to Mark Hecker, who is does the budgeting for our department that could probably answer that better than I can with the new ways of accounting. Yeah, Mark Hecker, Assistant Director of Parks and Rec. So within Parks and Recreation, we almost have two budgeting systems. So on the park side, it's pretty much straight tax supported, so there's no revenue associated with it. Parks, trails, forestry, uh, horticulture, those activities. On the recreation side, the budget's put together with two pieces. So one's tax support, one's revenue support. So that creates the, let's say it's $9 million for recreation goal. So in that funding scenario, half of it's revenue, half of it's tax support. So it's a little bit of two different business models on each side of the house, but together that's, that's how we're funded. So we're funded based on hitting a revenue target every year. If we aren't hitting that target, then we start cutting in, like John Navanian mentioned, that we're doing more tax support than we're supposed to be doing to make our budget work. So okay. it's a little bit of a balancing act, honestly. You know, then you throw capital improvement projects on top. Most of that goes over on the park side where it's pretty much tax supported or debt supported. So that doesn't really change the funding model on the fees. So my question back to you, Mark, um, maintenance spends a lot of money. Being on the committee for six years, I see lots of line items why do we have to mow parks three times a week or two times a week? Can we cut back any funding on those non-revenue generated areas of this community? Can we, is there anything like on maintenance? I know there's got to be things you could cut back. I think we got 72 parks. I'm not sure, but what can the city do on something like that to help you? Cause if anybody's in the business world and you go six years and don't even come close to your budget, I would imagine you're going to have to close your business. For schools, if I don't come close to my budget, I have to let staff go. I have to let classes go. I mean, we're seeing it in the Lawrence schools. So why can't those people help you guys a little bit? Yeah, Mark Ecker, assistant director. It, that is a possibility. So when we talk about budget cuts, it doesn't just impact one side versus the other. So if we talk about we need to cut a million dollars off the parks and rec budget, it's not just on the rec side. It's on both sides of the house. So that's where we look at how many times are we mowing, how many properties we're managing. It, quite honestly, the, the scenario we've been with is the city continues to grow. So every time we get a new street, we get a new roundabout, we get a new boulevard, you know, that's an additional maintenance cost that we need to add to our scenarios. And why is that parks and rec? You know, what other department does that fall in? So sometimes it, it's just a matter of, you know, is there another department that that expense should go to? As opposed to Parks and Rec, in most cases, you're going to find all the green infrastructures with us. So, you know, MSO does a lot of the streets and sidewalks and that sort of stuff. 
we do most of the green infrastructure. So if it's trees, plants, uh, grass, landscaping, that, that falls in the parks division. So yeah, it, it's, John, you raised good questions. Is, is when we get to cutting, we look department-wide for the fees are supporting. Well, I, I thought the presentation was outstanding and, and I really thought it was, and I've heard it, but it really makes me think community members, we're raising prices and for other things than besides just rec stuff is what it looks like to me, right or wrong, Mark? No, absolutely correct. So honestly, some of the biggest inflation is at the park side. In other words, what's the cost of a, to purchase a mower now? What's the cost of buying fertilizer, grassy trees, plants? Our labor costs went through the roof. We really were advertising jobs that no one was applying. So we had nobody to put on those mowers once we had the mowers. So, you know, inflation's probably hit the park side more so than the rec side. But it, again, it, it's we're all one big happy when we start talking budget increases and decreases. Okay, thank you. Good explanation. Becky, I'd like to mention something. This is Marilyn Hull, board member. I know um, some members of the public who have approached me have asked about sponsorships and why we don't have banners all over the <laughs> rec centers. And I'd like staff to just comment on that before everybody gets up and asks sort of the same. Again, we're gonna talk about sponsorships more coming into the next budget year with the city manager on uh, the recommendation, I believe from the uh, advisory board task force, I don't know if it was in there or not, was a recommendation to support a position for a sponsorship. And so that will have to be a future conversation uh, with the city manager Preglin in the 2024 budget and where we go from there. Can you explain why this wasn't considered previous to now? We have considered sponsorship for a long time, and we're still working on sponsorships. Uh, some of it is um, the fee, we looked at contracting out, and what I recall was that wasn't readily accepted. We've also talked about, this predates me with Sports Pavilion on um, naming sponsorships of buildings, and what is that value worth? Um, and at the time, I believe the, the value of a potential sponsor wasn't didn't meet the threshold value of that city commission what they wanted to see on it. I believe that was what it was. Um, some of it is capacity internally to do sponsorship. I will say we do do sponsorship. We need to expand sponsorship. It's just the capacity to do so within the department. Marilyn, this is John Blazik. Derek, let's be honest, because I was asked to be on a sponsorship committee six years ago. You had an employee that was supposed to sell sponsorships, as I remember, that's been on your staff. So it's not going to be a new position. I hope you don't get a new position when you're that much over, when you've had an employee, an employee on staff, that that was their job. Sponsorship has been an additional duty of staff, not just one individual staff. So right now, I'd say that the uh, facility manager at SPL has been renewing quite a few memberships, um, sponsorships in that facility. Uh, other staff have been working on uh, renewing the agreement with LMH on their sponsorship. So, uh, but we have not had a dedicated position to sponsorships. It's always been 
um, as capacity allowed. The same with grants. We just don't have that capacity. If somebody brings a grant opportunity to us, um, we'll see if we can support it. But that's another hard field. It'd be great to have somebody that all they did was work on grants for us. But and that's been another conversation we've had in the past too. But we're talking about sponsorships. It's not been done. John, I disagree. I do think sponsorships have been done and I do believe they are being done. Can they be done better? I think so too. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, any other board questions or comments right now regarding the presentation? This is Mary. Uh, oh, go ahead, Val. Hi, Val Renault, board member. Um, have you talked to any of the frontline staff at the rec centers about what the logistics of this or just kind of what they see coming with, with them, you know, applying these new fees and remember, I mean, will we need a whole nother, I mean, I know at the East Lawrence rec center, a lot of times the person at the desk isn't there. They're out helping someone on the court or something. So are we going to need more employees just to handle this logistically? I, I was just curious if you talked to staff. Sure. Yeah, Lindsay Hart, assistant director. We had a staff meeting uh, last week, and we've been in communication. I have our, our two recreation oper operation managers sitting here, and they've been in discussions with staff. And we have received some feedback, especially from the, the front line. Um, I've received some emails with their thoughts and suggestions. Uh, and so, what you know, we did let them know that this was being discussed and was coming. And uh, if we know that we're going to be doing this, we we know we have to get the ball rolling quickly. Um, but one thing that we want to mention is we would have a target date of March 1st, but we will absolutely not do anything until we feel we are 100% ready to go with staff, equipment, training, everything that we need to do. So again, earlier in the presentation, I did mention that we already have staff in place at all these facilities. Uh, since we do have the access cards, uh, you know, that we already have those staff in place anyway. And so again, these would just be passes that are added onto your access card. It'll be the same system. We already take payments for certain things at each facility. So we already have the cash drawers lined up and in place. Uh, but yes, there will be uh, definitely training, uh, you know, and a lot of logistics that, that we will work through on our end and, and we will be prepared before anything new is rolled out. My other question, or I just wanted to comment that seeing the fees from Lenexa and some of the other cities made me a little more comfortable with this and the no fee for under 18. Um, but I wonder, were there are there other comparable cities? Wyandotte was the only one who doesn't charge. Did you find other comparable cities that have managed to go on without charging? Yes, uh, oddly, Lindsay Hart, assistant director, I'm hearing some people say Norman. We actually did look at Norman as well. Um, and I know Manhattan was brought up um, and I know they're making some changes. I'm not sure where they're at right now with their fees, but uh, the market rates that we showed were the ones that the, the task force uh, requested that we look at. And so, um, again, we wanted to look at, at different comparisons across the board to see what some people are charging, but also show that other people are, are similar to us and, and currently not charging as well. This is Marilyn Hall, board member. Uh, can we establish as a as a point of fact 
whether or not that when this built the sports pavilion was proposed and built, whether the public was promised that there would never be any fees. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I have I have a, a message from the former chair of the Parks and Rec Advisory Board during that time. And she said, I don't recall a promise of no fees. The Parks and Rec staff was pretty careful about never saying never. We discussed fees at the time and chose not to charge at that time, but I don't recall anything stipulating no fees ever. And I was wondering if you have any documentation to at least establish as a fact whether that this was a promise made to the community or not. I don't at this time have any documentation. I do believe when we looked at this back in 2018, one of the, there may be a newspaper article that has one commissioner that may have made a comment. I just can't find it online. So they can find it. I'd be glad to look at it. Any other questions from our board? Marilyn, are you? Okay. All right. I'm not seeing any other comments from the board. So at 6.30, do we want to take a little 10-minute break, or do we want to go with some questions for a little bit right now to start with public comment? Want to start public comment? All right. But I think at 7, maybe. At 7, we'll take, or 30 minutes in, we'll take a run. We'll take a seat here. Okay, let's work for that. And the way that we'll structure this, we'll start with the folks that are in person first. You signed in. I know that we asked to make a mark by people that wanted to speak. So we'll do that, and I know that there's probably questions that's swirled since then, too. So those people that didn't mark, we'll go back and open it back up to other people. And then from there, we'll go to virtual, okay, with the raise the hand feature. So you don't need to do it right now, but we'll get to you in a minute or a few, few minutes. Um, but again, you are limited to three minutes. We're going to ask you to come to this seat here. And I will, I will actually get the time for okay, you to that way. Okay, yeah, I guess I could. Just All right. So it looks like our first check for public comment is Ron Brenton. Hi, Ron. Hi, right, how's it going? Great. Come in. Good evening. My name is Ron Brenton. I live over on Crystal Lane in the west part of the city. And uh, since my medical issues have come about, my doctor wants me to exercise daily. So I go to up to Rock Chalk, I do the uh, walk, walking track, and then I lift a little weights and I go home. While I'm up there, I see a lot of senior citizens. I see young mothers with baby carriages uh, getting their exercise and everyone, you know, as long as they've got the little uh, tab, you know, they can come into the into the facility, and that's good. But I remember when this, I've lived here for 31 years, ever since I retired from the military. And if I remember right, when they were trying to get that place out there built uh, with Fritzl and his company, that they said, well, this will be open to the public and free for the rest of the time. I don't have any documentation on it. I don't have any newspaper stories on it. But I mean, it pretty much is a consensus of the people I've talked to. Uh, I know things do increase, given that. 
But, you know, uh, just for an example, uh, I figured that uh, I pay my utility bill every month to the city. Uh, I pay the city and the county taxes. And the portion of the city and county taxes, plus the amount that uh, I pay uh, monthly in my utility, comes up to over $4,670 eh, $4, uh, a month. Or a year, excuse me. And I like to always think that that always included the access to the park and rec facilities of the city. Uh, I talked briefly with a couple of members of the staff at your uh, uh, Rock Chalk facility, and their concern is I'm now going to be a cashier, like like working in a in a retail store instead of helping people do their uh, athlete or you know their uh, physical stuff. So I don't know. Uh, things do go up, but it's kind of going to be a hard pull on a lot of people. That's about all I had to say. Uh, Claude Laird will be next. Can I can I go later? <laughs> sure, we can. Can you skip over me? Is that all right? Or do we need yeah. to go in order? Okay. okay, all right. So uh, Ryan Neuhoffel, Ryan. N-E-U-H-O-F-E-L. All right, Ryan left. All right. Uh, Chris Kristalka. First, I want to say thank you for listening to the community. Um, that's really terrific. Second, I'm just going to ask some questions uh, that I want you to think about. I love the presentation. And I love the question that uh, board member Nalbandian asked. Um, that raised a question to me is the difference between the money you've raised and the money that the actual cost between revenue and cost is filled by the city. We would I would like to know in each one of those years how much the city filled. Was there ever a shortfall? Did they always fill that gap? And if they're not now, why not? Second, um, these fees and program raises are uh, between 10 and 30% and some even higher. We have not had inflation of 10 and 30% for a decade or even more. As a matter of fact, uh, for the past five years, the inflation rate has been close to zero, maybe 0.5%, 1%. Recently, there was a, you know, a year of where inflate or half a year where inflation was high. That's really gone to, down now to 5%. So to impose a raise that is four or five times the inflation rate for the past five or six years is uh, strange credulity. Uh, my third point, the, uh, the community that's here loves Parks and Recs, loves uh, what you do, loves the facilities. Um, in turn, there needs to be complete transparency on the budget. Uh, 
What is what is not clear from the budget that was presented, and I realize you don't have the time to go into the weeds, but it could be posted on your website and so forth. What are the actual budgets and expenditures and expenditures per rec facility, per facility, per separate department? Is one going to be used as a cash cow to fund the other? Should the board think strong, and perhaps you have already, uh, making each of the separate departments fiscally responsible for itself? These are, these are the transparencies of budget we don't know. We don't know what, why it's costing seven million or 20 million or, or, or 15 million. The final question I'm going to ask uh, for you to kindly consider. What is the cost of fewer people, fewer senior citizens, as, as that gentleman said, fewer mothers with children attending any of the activities? What are the result? What is the life cycle cost to the community in terms of increased expenses for health care, increased expenses for uh, the police, for crime, uh, for everything involving a social and a civic community. It's not just the budget of Parks and Rec here. Mm -hmm. Parks and Rec is an essential part of keeping this community healthy and saving, and which is an economic enterprise in crime, in, 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 in health care, and so forth. So please consider the complete life cycle cost. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Eileen Weiss. Eileen? Eileen White? Weiss. Weiss, sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, next one, Sandra Issa or Issa, I S S A? It's Issa. Issa. Hi, Sandra. Hi, thank you. Thanks for, Thanks coming. for allowing us to speak. For sure. um, I, don't, um, I don't support admission fees. I think. Take this room, yeah. sorry. Okay. I got something that's coming in here. It's one of the. Sorry. I think there's probably other people who can speak more eloquently about that than I can, um, but I do want to commend your your option of allowing youth to enter free. However, um, I'm here to speak for the demographic that is slightly above the 18-year-olds, and I want to speak for the. 19 to 21 year olds. I know many children, many young people in this age bracket. Um, they are struggling out on their own. They are working part-time jobs. They are between jobs. They don't have jobs. And they do not have disposable income. This is also the demographic for which overdose from drug use is rampant. And if you have a young person who is suffering from anxiety or depression, and they have a choice between going to the gym, exercising, going to the weight room, getting some dopamine pumping in their systems, or picking up what they think is a Xanax laced with fentanyl 
it literally can be a question of life and death, whether these kids have access to a facility. So I'd like you to consider this, I think, along the lines of what um, Mr. Kostalka said. It's very important for the health of our community. With fentanyl on the streets, I do not think that this is a time that we close out an option for people in this age range. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, Darlene Miller. The next one, Darlene Miller. Hi, Darlene. Yeah. Have a seat. Okay, I've been going to that uh, recreation center up there for a long time. And we were promised, which everybody knows, that it was free for all of us. And <clears throat> so I wrote down a few things that it helps me as long as with everybody else. Going up there, walking on that track, that's all I do is walk on that track. And I love it. And it's good therapy. And it, uh, <clears throat> and it's a support for the people that are up there and they probably lost a loved one and this is support because everybody's so friendly they're friendly and they help everybody out and i think that is the best thing for it and uh <clears throat> oh if you take about 90 percent of those people that are up there, they're citizen, uh, senior citizens, and they do not have extra cash to be paying for a exercising place. And I know a lot of them up there, but what I want to say is, uh, uh, does, would everybody be paying, or is there going to be some that are on low income that uh, will be free? So the proposal was that lower income will be able to be free. So yes, on that part with the proposal. They will be free. Lower income defined as what? And that was so in the proposal it's the yeah. how do you know they can't pay they don't have to show anything it was an honor system do you have to have show a paper or anything you just say i'm on low income check a box well they, there will be there'll be as i imagine it a chart that will say if you are a single household making less than this amount, you're free. If yeah. a two-person household making Y amount, free. Five-person household. So the bigger the household, the higher the threshold. So that a family of six mm -hmm. isn't held to the same standard as a single individual. Okay. I, am, I lost my husband a year and a half ago. I get one Social Security check. 
And if you try to live on something like that, you know, you can't. If these uh, activities just keep a coming and coming and you pay for this, you pay for that, taxes have raised up and everything. So I think they should take in consideration if you're one in the family and your husband's not there any longer, then I think those are the ones that should be free. All I do, I, I work at, I have my, some uh, weights and stuff at home, and I do that a couple hours a day, and then I go up to Rock Chalk, and I walk, and that is therapy for me. Mm -hmm. So I just want to bring all that stuff up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, our next person is Carol Coomer. Hummer. Hello, Carol. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, my name is Carol Kummer, and uh, we moved from Montana to Lawrence, Kansas. And the reason I moved here, again, is because of the healthy senior uh, activities and lifestyle here, and uh, because of SPL, because I play lots of sports. Um, the question I have for the board, and, and I really appreciate the building and everything it has to offer, the social life there. I've met so many <clears throat> new friends since I've come here. Um, I really think you should take a look at the sponsorship. I don't think, to me, if you've had this great big building and it was built in, what, 2017, wouldn't you have pursued the sponsorship earlier at the, at the start of the inception of the building and and not this far down the, the lane. So I think that's really important. Um, my other question is, you said you have some money set aside for your CIP programs that you're looking at. Could you possibly tell us what those CIP projects are? Because you said it's coming out of the city and now it's going into your budget with this new uh, program you have set up. It's listed in there. I, I'll answer your questions at yeah. the end, but I'll write that down and update you on that. And uh, let's see. Um, I guess that's, let's see. Yes, and then you said there was a promise for the free uh, fee when you sold this project. Was that in a bond or how did that because I wasn't here at that time. Was it a bond or did somebody just make that? Did you pay for it with the bond issue when you did SPL? It was a bond issue? No. We'll answer that okay. question for you. Okay, so I guess those were the questions that I have. But again, it's a lovely facility. I've met lots of friends through it. Um, I'm concerned that, and I understand COVID has just wreaked havoc with everything from transportation to our lives to our health, um, but I'm concerned that you have revenue and you have expenses and the expenses are outweighing those revenues. 
that is not a good um, business profile to be going by. So I think you really need to look at cutting something instead of just saying, we need money, so we're going to charge you for it. And then next year, we're probably going to have to charge you again. You got to stop spending. You got to reduce something. So anyway, that's all I have to say. Our next public comment, uh, it was a signature, so. Um, you have an address on there? Yeah, it looks like 4713 Melody 66049. Is that someone's address? Who wants to speak? Well, if someone who lives on Melody wants to speak, you still have a space. How about that? Uh, let's see. Our next one is Aaron Payton. Aaron Payton? You know Aaron. So. Been out there for a while. So Hi. Thanks for making your way in. Have a seat. Yeah. It's the hot seat. So um, I just wanted to start by saying I'm a lifelong resident of Lawrence. I watched my dad play basketball against some of the KU guys at Holcomb Rec Center. He has an amazing three-point three hook shot. <laughs> so I, as a little kid, and now uh, coached my kids at the different rec centers, played ball at every rec center, um, basketball, futsal, soccer, um, lifted weights and everything. So feel familiar. Uh, I love the rec centers. And according to our, <coughs> our um, Lawrence strategic plan, the first thing that's listed as, what do we do well? We have great parks and rec services. That's The city of Lawrence loves what you guys do, and you do it well. We should fund it without fees. The problem is this budget shortfall is a false manifestation of adding the uh, PBB budget system costs and capital improvement to the budget. Right? I mean, it's a fake budget shortfall. Okay? So we should be going back to the city budget people and saying, no way. Like, don't go there. Because by creating this, like, made-up shortfall, you're going to start charging fees that are astronomical. You're going to start charging fees to things that never had fees before. And you're going to limit access. Even if you try to make the access good right now, it won't be good in the long run because it won't create, we, we can see that it still is a shortfall. Even when you add all these fees, you're not gonna hit that target. We shouldn't be trying to hit that target. It's a bad target to try to hit. We should be trying to hit the Lawrence strategic plan. And <laughs> desired outcomes of the strategic plan. So unmistakable identity. What's more unmistakable than having free parks and rec services, okay? Like, what's better than walking into a building that you feel like you own and you can just go and lift weights? I, I actually was going to come here tonight and try to talk about how I don't like those stupid tag things. I hate that. I just want to walk in. I used to be able to walk in for my entire life, my kid life. Every, I, this is a new thing. I was so frustrated. And then I found out there's fees. Like, I'm mad. So, the, 
Strong, welcoming neighborhoods. What is better than a neighborhood where you have, you can go to a facility that's free, you know? Then you just walk in, you own it, we pay the taxes. It should be available to everyone. You see I'm running out of time. Safe and secure. Safe and secure neighborhood. Like what is better than being able to walk into these rec centers, you know? So our target, the problem is a manifestation of the budget. We need to redo the budget, recognize that we have awesome parks and recs, and fund them. We have a general fund, let's fund it. You know, like we don't need to fund it with fees. It doesn't help anybody. It's a barrier to access. It doesn't make us feel welcoming. I mean, obviously it annoys people. Um, so let's, let's change, let's change the, our head space and recognize that you guys do an awesome job with the money you have. We're going to do one more, and then we're going to just take a short little break. Uh, Tom Riggs is our next person. Tom Riggs. Tom. No Tom out there? Okay. Uh, our next person is John Bialy. Five. Five? Okay, hi. Now's the time for you to chat. <laughs> Welcome. You want Polish or English? Uh, I can do German and English, but not Polish. Well, so. <laughs> the only thing I got to say is I don't think the city has given y'all enough money. For instance, the bus service, which I used to be in the bus company, I worked for Lawrence Bus. I had. I can't remember if it was the mayor or the commissioner, said when they first put that bus service in, they said it's designed to fail. They were charging for people to ride. Now, they say in the paper, everything's free for everybody. Now, how's that happen? When they're operating in the red from day one, and all of a sudden, everything's free to ride the bus. I've been here since 1974. I've paid a lot of damn taxes. My tax, just on my house alone, is more than that guy, that first guy said his was for a whole year. I pay, I pay a lot of tax. I'm 82 years old. And I think I should be able to get in there free. I was told when they built that, that it'd be free. I don't have documentation, say for how long. But I think it's BS. When you don't charge anything for all these years, and all of a sudden, you got to charge. It's not right. Ten more. Can we push before? 
for 10 more if you want to take a break. Whichever. I'm okay right, right now. Okay, all right. So we're going to keep going then? All right, we're going to keep going then. Okay. 10 more people, 30 more minutes. Okay. All right. What? You'd like a break? You'd like a break? Okay. All right. Five, five minute break? We're going to take a five minute break. Five minute break. And we'll be back. All right, we're back in session. And who do we have? Hi, We can also write so, I'm going to do a double check. Is Tom Riggs here? Because they were on the did want to speak, making sure they're not here. Tom Riggs, okay. Our and, next one is Rich Lorenzo. And I will just kind of speak to the point to public comment. You're addressing the comments to the board. Uh, they aren't going to answer questions at this point or staff at that point. Um, so basically make your comments and then at the end, that's when the board will take the comments back to the staff. It's kind of a formality, but we'll we'll try to work through things as best we can, so. Great. Well, I've been in Lawrence for 27 years and I remember when the agreement was done to build the sports pavilion. And one of the things I looked up online was a quote um, from the from the individuals, it said one of the big selling points of the complex at the time was that it would be free for all Douglas County residents to use. We want, and this is from our city manager, we want everybody to be able to go use the center. And he said that to the city commissioners. But there's more articles out there from the LJ world. I didn't have time to dig them out. But the agreement was very contentious at the time to build this facility. And at the time, that was one of the things that was told to the individuals that were going to spend the money to the taxpayers to spend the money for the sports pavilion was you're going to be able to use this for free. And the other one, which the city has already reneged on, was that we were going to always have a, a, a court to be able to use, and that has already been reneged on. So now the city, and, the, and, the, and the, hopefully not, the Parks and Rec will not do this second time reneging. Okay, this is what happens, and this is why people are losing trust in government. Okay, people are losing trust. You're willing, and I looked at that presentation that you guys just showed, 200 $200,000 is what you're going to produce with the, the, the one that you wanted to, the, you're picking. $200,000 worth of fees. Is that worth all of the public, the public, uh, public contempt you're going to get. Is that worth that? Why would you do that for $200,000? Really, it's an $18 million budget. $200,000 for, for, the, for the city or for the people in this city to say, man, these guys, they're reneged again. You're losing public trust when you do that for an $18 million budget. And I, you know, for me, I want to be Norman, Oklahoma. I want to have our, our fees, no fees, because our taxpayers, that's what we're paying. We're paying for these facilities already. So if, if you guys want to keep putting fees, I think you're going to have to hear from a lot more people and a lot more people are going to be upset as this moves down the line. And so I I wouldn't do that for $200,000. Be a little wiser and then kind of let's get more creative. Let's look at expenses. Let's look at some different things. I'm willing to help with that creativity, but I, this is dumb for $200,000. Not worth it. Thanks, Rich. Our next person is Ray Mendoza. Ray. Hi, Ray. Hi. Hi, my name is Ray Mendoza, and I've been living in Lawrence for about 20 years. And I'm an avid golfer, so I'm going to talk about the golf course itself. I don't really use all the facilities, but maybe two or three times a year. Um, I know it's up there you guys offer a pass, annual pass for all the facilities, but not the golf course. 
You got mentioned Shawnee Country, uh, Shawnee Parks and Recs. They offer a pass to their, uh, to their uh, um, golf course, and they got over 500 pass holders. I mean, you want to raise some money, I think getting a pass would be an option to do that. So that's my question, that you offer a pass and on your pass for the older facility itself for the golf course. So that's my, my stuff for today. Thank you. Thank Did you say this person wants to yeah, speak? Connie, okay. Connie Robertson will be next. Connie. Connie. I'm Connie Robertson, and I will say in this meeting, I am a retired city employee, so I know how a lot of this stuff behind the scenes works, and I know how a lot of it is not always really good. But I do have something I'd like to say, and they've kind of touched on it. And I wonder, and I know for a fact, maybe looking at staff cuts is a place to look really hard because there's a lot of stuff out there. And I'm not saying just in Parks and Rec, but I know some in Parks and Rec. I've talked with the director about some of it a couple years ago. So I think we could look a little harder at some of those types of things to come up with some money. In addition to that, I've, I'm a lifetime softball player. I've been umpiring forever. And we've got a complex sitting out there. Have some softball tournaments, have some baseball tournaments. Let's make some money. And what I have heard from past Parks and Rec employees who are no longer in the city of Lawrence have said, nobody wants to work on the weekend. Well, whoop-de-doo, work on the weekend and make a little money for the department and save everybody the headaches. And I mean, there's a new programming position open right now for adult sports. Bring them in and say, you're gonna run some tournaments. You are gonna work weekends, that's part of your job. Why should they be excused from it? So that's all I've got to say. There's a lot of things to look at besides fees. Thanks, Connie. Uh, Ron Brenton. Already spoken. Already spoken. <laughs> you didn't have your scheme down yet. No, that was from page one, because <laughs> Connie was first, because he pulled that yeah, one back. Yeah, okay. He needs to go back here. All right, now we're on this. <laughs> okay. Blame it on me. No, no. Carolyn Huffman. Hi, I'm Carolyn Huffman. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Um, I just have two questions. Um, I play pickleball, and one lady I play pickleball with, she lives in Topeka, and she comes over to our facility because we have such an awesome group of players. But she told me her fee was reduced this year. She used to pay like $240 or something, and now it's only 60 Can you guys explain why that would be reduced to somebody who's out of the county? To reduce that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Does anybody? Um, we will take answer that. Okay, okay. And then once we go yeah, through, yeah, I'd everything, like to we'll know the answer, answer to that because I don't know why. Because she was like, "Yeah, can you believe that they reduced the fees for out of county?" Which that doesn't make sense to me. So if anything, I would say that needs to go back to what it needs, what it was originally. Uh, and the second thing is, is I was discussing this with Lindsay at the break time is. Um, the way you guys structure tournaments, she says you rent out the facility to like Mocan or whoever is having a basketball tournament or volleyball tournament. So they rent it out. So they control all of that gate money coming in. 
that should be our gate money because they're using our facilities. So I, I've traveled all over. My son plays college basketball. And every tournament I had to take him to, I had to pay to watch him. I don't know that that's fair, but I'm just saying that that's how it is. So we host a lot of tournaments. I think you guys should restructure how you uh, do tournaments. I don't know that I would rent it out to an association and let them have all of your gates, because that is a huge moneymaker right there. And that in itself would make more than $200,000, I would think, with all of the tournaments. That's all. Thank you. Thanks, Carolyn. John Weiss? John Weiss? Is there a John out there? Oh, okay. Uh, next is Robert and Jackie Chase. Well, I have to guess I'm speaking for her. She's out there, but she's okay. Gonna... Okay. <laughs> we can separate you out if you. It's, it's not three minutes by marriage. She's a, she's a nurse, and uh, that's why we retired after I left running the Southeast Kansas Mental Health Center after 21 years. And I can tell you I'm an attorney, but I'm not here under any professional <laughs> Not yet, anyway. <laughs> but um, I hope you put some money in the budget for an increased larger room for us to visit you all. <laughs> You'll get a better uh, A lot of people have left. A lot of people aren't there. It's hot as hell in here. And uh, you know, the air conditioner or anything, or a little speaker to go outside. There's not a lot of uh, expectation of what we have to think about all this. But anyway, so. Uh, so I agree with the gentleman that talked about a budget. I've dealt with lots and lots of budgets. I had to meet with city uh, county commissioners every uh, every year for our contribution to the county. And uh, we also had a mandate to serve everyone, whether they could afford it or not. And in a way, you have a mandate to serve everyone, whether they could afford it or not. It's true that that, that the whole first funding situation was a, was a promise that there would be no fee. That doesn't mean it's free. That means we're paying taxes to make that pay off the darned uh, loan or the, for the bond. So that's not, it's not that people are coming in free. Everybody has a, if it is free, so be it. That would be great. But we're all paying taxes, even if you're in an apartment, your, your landlord, whoever owns it, is paying some taxes to the city. So uh, let's get away from thinking that this is some kind of free hand out to people because it's not. They're entitled to it because of that promise that was made at that time, is my understanding. I didn't live here, the, I've only lived here for four years now, so. But I love Lawrence. I think Lawrence is one of the most greatest places in the world to live. Many magazines will tell you it's one of the best 20 places in the country to retire to. But you don't want to create class issues among people. I firmly believe that you know, some of these very senior citizens, I live in an area where they, we have an HOA, and it's a senior area south of the, the Rock Chuck Park, and uh, you go to a HOA meeting about what's going to be the cost of our maintenance for the next year, which is only time, $95 now, and in four years, they are so adamant about that increasing it, you, we haven't had a penny more. Somehow we figured out to get the guy to go down on his fees, who's our maintenance people, but, Anyway, the point is that your perception that it's not so much and it's equitable is not accurate because equitable is a relative thing. It's not something that you could put everybody in and say, okay, I'm going to give this 
these people under the poverty level, the poverty level's a distortion anyway. You have five kids, are you gonna be you know, trying to come over? You wanna be able to come in here and play ball with your kids? I'd be worried about paying another five bucks to go with them when you can barely afford the gas in today's market. So that's a big issue for me is seeing that happen. I, I went through a, grew up in a, in a place where they created a swimming pool and they put uh, bond money into it and we all got promised there would be reasonable fees. Didn't turn out very reasonable, and only the rich kids' families could afford it. I never got to swim in that damn pool. My dad was a factory worker with six kids and a mom that worked home. So, uh, you know, I used the swimming hole where there were a lot of leeches, and that was not the most fun place. But uh, I'm not saying it psychologically hurt me, but I was aware of that difference very much. And I think you're creating a situation to make that difference worse here. There is already some here. What do we want to turn into? An east side poverty area like Kansas City has with a, with a uh, shooting every week, every day almost now. It's incredibly terrible. You want to get these kids in there and their families in there and the parents working with their kids in there and the dad feeling like I can go in and work out with my kids anytime. I don't have to go and see if I can find the $3 or $5 or whatever you want to charge or the $100. They don't have it. They're already working from behind the eight ball. They're not in a balanced budget. Now, there isn't such a thing in a family that's struggling like that. So I adamantly say, I think you didn't intend to stir up a hornet's nest, but you stirred up a big one. And imagine the people that might have been here, but for the basketball, for the football game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, the, uh, this place would have been, would have had to take over the football field. <laughs> so anyway, I applaud all of you who are probably, how many are volunteers here? Uh, this is an advisory committee, correct? Yes. So, you know, and I don't, I don't want to take away any people's salaries or reduce them or anything like that. If anything, they probably need to be increased. But I agree with the gentleman. They gave you the budget uh, with the beer and everything. And the poor gal who works out every day over there, she's faster than me going around that track. So, uh, but I need that exercise. She needs that exercise. I can afford it, frankly. I'm not going to, you know, uh, maybe I have to cut out a meal at Johnny's Tavern or something like that. But whatever. Um, I, I seriously want you to uh, withdraw that. Uh, reconsider all these things. Uh, let's take a little more time to talk about it. I wonder if your 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 recommendation is advisory, correct? Yes. You can't you yeah, can't raise it yourself. Yeah. So I think we need to not put all the pressure on you because the county commissioners have to approve of your budget at some point. So thank you for your contribution. I know how difficult it is to get volunteers to be on all these boards that have to be appointed. Uh, I appreciate uh, a variety of boards I've worked with over the years, and I know it's uh, difficult at times. So in an era of non-consensus among people sometimes, it's hard. So anyway, thank you. I know I skipped you on the sheet, so oh, yeah. Up. yeah. So why don't you go up now, since you were before other people? Okay. Do you know your name again? Cook Devine. Cook Devine. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to keep this incredibly brief because I thought the gentleman was a rich said it very well. You know, um, 200k um, isn't going to solve this problem, and if he increases with fever play, isn't going to really solve this problem. It's got to be much more of a management issue than a revenue issue. I'm not saying revenue isn't a big factor, but it's got to be. 
And they're attempting to do this without giving us any information about how management makes these decisions. My main frame of reference is SPL. That's where I go. I'm there a lot. Uh, I have some pretty good experiences to how the place operates and the strengths and weaknesses of it. And there are plenty of strengths. In fact, you know, I'll say SPL was a beautiful concept. It really was, you know, and people um, from out of town speak about it. You know, it's it's a pretty cool thing. It's a sports hub when there really weren't that many. It was almost visionary. So I can give lots of creep. Lots of creep, lots of creep, lots of creep. <laughs> but, you know, the ensuing crisis in trying to meet this obligation, and it is an obligation that was put to the taxpayers. As taxpayers, it's just, uh, it's a non-starter to back off on this in eight years. Um, the thing that, the real problem I have is uh, play for fee puts no accountability or burden uh, on the city and Parks and Rec to manage the situation, manage their way out of the situation. You know, I don't think there's too many people who are going to contest that you haven't been given a difficult situation. But there seems to be zero attempt to try to manage your way out of this other than take this very low-hanging fruit, as this gentleman pointed out, that could be 200K if things go well. Um, it's not a solution. You know, it's like there's going to be, have to be a full-throated, full-bodied evaluation with a full-bodied plan rather than jump on the fees because it's politically damaging. I just can't say it any other way. It's just like, you know, I really do have some empathy for Parks and Rec and the advisory board because I really believe this should be the city commission making the city decision. They burdened you with this task, and they're not going to take political accountability. You guys, we do not have any political access to you. So our only accountability, line of accountability, is getting over to the city commission. It really, it's, uh, it's a decision, particularly based on SPL, that really belongs in their court. You know, this is not an ethical thing to do. And it isn't very smart, as this gentleman said. I'll share it. That's great. Rick Mullen. Rick Mullen. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Rick Mullen. I've been a resident here for 27 years and uh, live over there by Rock Chalk. And um, I agree with these last, Rich and the last gentleman, just how. Going with the fee uh, approach is really a bad situation for people, and it's for the little bit of money that it would try to bring in. It's just it's it's terrible, and it's really bad PR. And um, I don't know how the who's going to feel the consequences of that, except whether it be the commission or whatever. I know the advisory board isn't, but um, I've had I have four children. They've all used it, played basketball, shoot baskets, go up there, kick the soccer ball around all the time. My daughter who plays soccer and is hoping to play in college has been up there probably four or five times a week for the last few years. And um, I mean, they love it. They get so much out of it. And um, to think that it's going to be charged is, I just think it's a terrible approach. One thing I looked at one of the slides too, and I, and I agree about the budget situation. There's got to be more management on the expenses 
what's going on, whether it be Parks and Rec or all the whole city, and how if the Parks and Rec is taking on expenses that the city, other parts of the city should, that has to be transparent, it's gotta be seen. I looked at one slide up there about Eagle Bend, because I played golf all my life, and um, I just, I don't know if anybody noticed it, but it said that this year's expenses were about 1.1 million on the bar graph, next year's 2.1. What's the one million dollar increase at a golf course? Mm -hmm. What what is it? I mean, I saw it on the slide, and I'm thinking, what is that? Are we putting another nine holes in? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> so that's a doubling of expenses in one year at the golf course. And I guarantee you, just upping the fees at the golf course. Look, there ain't no people gonna go play Eagle Bend for those prices. Because you can skip out 20, 30 minutes around here and get much better courses for a lower price. So you're almost gonna back yourself into a corner and you raise the fees on that. But I, I, I gotta have the answer to what is the million dollars that increased starting this January 1st of this year at the golf course. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, our next public is David Croto. Hi, David. Hi. Can you put up that slide on the increase in, in uh, expenses over five years, seven years? Yeah. I, I would compliment the presentation. I, uh, it was very good in the time that you had to, to give it. What struck me and this isn't a correct assumption, but you're, you know, the allocated expenses are flat for four years, and then they're going up now because of the new cost allocation. But if you use that as a trend line, which is not entirely correct, you're going to be doubling your expenses within five or seven, eight years. And so the fees that are up here today, which are proposed, could potentially double in five or seven or eight years. You might have a, you probably do have a problem with your costs, but you also have a problem with your cost allocation, which goes back to how they're developing these budgets, which is making this tremendously more expensive as time goes on. Um, I'm not for increasing or adding fees. When I was here in 2000, beginning of 2007, I think this really was sold that there wouldn't be fees. That's how I got, you know, that's how I got through. Mm -hmm. Typical now. Five, ten, it's not your call. You're not doing this, but five, ten, fifteen years later. Oh, now we're going to add the fees. That's coming out of this need to raise, either raise your revenues or cut your cost. The city cutting their cost. And I think I, I agree with who said the city council really is responsible for seeing this done. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. If they're the final decision makers, they should not and they want trust in their government, they need to follow through on what's been previously been the case. I, I hope we don't get into, well, we did not promise fees, so therefore we can put them in. Um, costs are going up, but this is a tremendous jump. I'm all for the city getting a handle on their cost, and that's part of the reason they're, they're trying to figure this out. Good for them. But I don't want to wind up paying fees to walk at Rock Chalk or play pickleball at Rock Chalk or do you know, 
play golf or do whatever else in any other area because of tulips being planted or things being added into your indirect costs that really aren't your responsibility. They really should be probably taxes. I don't know if streets are added into what, you know, you have to pay for paving out there or not. But some of these things are, are general, should be out of the general revenue and not coming out of your budget that I have to pay for because I'm walking around a track at the doctor's recommendation, you know, as an example, to get exercise. Mm -hmm. I think I'll leave it at that. I believe I have one more person on the checklist, uh, Wayne Simeon. Hey, good evening. Uh, my name is Wayne Simeon, longtime uh, Lawrence resident. Uh, my wife and I, Katie, have uh, five kids um, who get a chance to participate and enjoy um, the local rec centers uh, here as well. Uh, my mom and her family moved here in 1914, um, 40 years in the factory at Hallmark Cards in Leavenworth, moved them back. So I'm also here speaking on their behalf. Um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, the sentiment that's been shared uh, in terms of uh, being opposed to, to the additional fee, and I, and I will call it an additional fee uh, because, again, we did pay for it uh, through a bond and through our taxes. Um, I agree with that sentiment not only as a, as a citizen but also someone who helped raise money to fund uh, the initial building of the Lawrence Sports Pavilion as a board member of the Bill Self Assist Foundation uh, years ago, which donated over a million dollars to this. Uh, mainly for the main reason that it was going to be free of cost for uh, local constituents. You know, I have, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to have the ability to pay fees for, for my family. Been a long time youth coach here, but the, the higher matter of the issue here tonight is we've been lied to. It's a lie. Um, because of the expectation uh, that uh, particularly the law enforcement was built on. Uh, appreciate the presentation, uh, very helpful. Um, my attention goes towards, um, you know, the, the bar graph item uh, on why we're here. And as I look at the uh, expense and the revenue uh, columns from 2017 to 2019, uh, that didn't budge, uh, that fell way short of the actual expenses. Uh, my question is, is who's responsible for that? Uh, what type of, um, you know, ideas or activations were d uh, drawn towards uh, that stalling uh, for those three years? Uh, and even thinking about some of the efforts uh, that are described to be made in this uh, future movement, it says uh, more effort and more marketing which leads me to believe that there was a lack of effort and a lack of marketing uh, many years up until this point. Who's accountable for that? Who's responsible for that? It shouldn't be the citizens. Right. Uh, even in addition to, you know, best case scenario, maybe there's a couple million dollars that's going to be added because of these fees. Um, it still doesn't put a dent in the overall actual expenses. Uh, and then also I'm thinking about the recent uh, Lawrence Loop that was just constructed. Uh, that was a $10 million project for uh, an asset that isn't going to generate any revenue. Now, I really appreciate and respect 
uh, that use of, of, of recreation in the community. But if you're already operating at a significant deficit, why would you dump $10 million into uh, a, a, another facet that isn't going to generate any revenue that's only going to put you more in the hole uh, as a business entity? Um, thinking about SPL, it's clear that the design, the features, and the policy don't have anything to do with providing a community service, but that thing was built to generate revenue. All right, That responsibility does not fall on the citizens. That responsibility falls on the people who run it. All right, and So you got to step up and be able uh, to fill that gap. And so um, I'm boldly against uh, any type of uh, fee and for the lack of diligence and effort and ingenuity that should not be sent uh, down onto the, the into, onto the um, the constituents to be able to fill that void. Thank you. Right. Was there anybody that I missed that would yeah. like to speak? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, I'm not there. You're out there. All right. Well, um, why don't we go one, two, three? Sound good? Come on. Can you say your name? Say your name. Sure. This is Mark Beggert. And I'm here representing the uh, Masters Swim Club here in Lawrence. And uh, the subject is uh, pool rental fees. And uh, first of all, I, I do appreciate your time and effort for putting together this and inviting the public in here to discuss discuss this. It's a little awkward. I've got one little thing that I'm really <laughs> excited about, and I got three minutes, and I can barely clear my throat in 15, so I'll try and, and do this quickly. Um, we're a club that welcomes anyone 18 years or older that wants to swim or learn to swim. And um, we have contract coaches. We separate people in swim lanes by their ability. Uh, we have workouts for them, but if they don't want to do their workouts, they don't have to. Uh, but we keep, keep track of them. And we feel we provide a really good service to the community. It's uh, swimming is a great health benefit. And every year I, I come around when there's a price increase on, on lane rentals, try and, and negotiate things. The thing we're not is a competitive swim club. And you know, one of my questions would be, where do I where do we really fit in that tier group? Um, we are a club that's associated with USMS, which is the United States Masters Swimming Program. And through that, our members have the ability to be competitive at other swim meets. In fact, there are things called postal meets where someone in Brazil has a pool, they sent out a flyer that they're having these uh, races that you can do, and you swim at your pool, submit a time, and you get to know how you did against the world. You know, so that's pretty cool. But uh, the only other uh, thing that I have is we used to always be able to get into the pool at 515. And most of our uh, members, or a lot of our members, are working stiffs. 
and it really makes it hard to come in at 6.30 and get out in time and, you know, make your job and things like that. Um, you know, our club's been around since the early 90s, and I can remember when we would swim free at the outdoor pool because we had a key and we'd get there at 4.30 in the morning, set up the lane lines, and, I mean, our members are doctors, nurses, FBI, police, firefighters, you name it. It's every single part of the community. And uh, we just really think that, you know, we're offering a great benefit. And the one thing I will say is we're your customer. Okay, that's all I have. Thank you, Mike. State your name, please. I'm Claude Laird, longtime resident of, of Lawrence and the county. Um, again, kudos to what you folks do. It's, it's a tough job. Uh, most of the points I wanted to make have already been made. Um, I'm just going to reiterate two of them. Um, I do think that there is an issue of trust with how this whole matter has been handled, um, and it has been done in a very quick manner. So I, we've had a number of, of issues. Um, uh, uh, Lisa said that we have, that we want to demonstrate trust to the community or and trust the community. And I, I think that, that, that it goes both ways and that statements have been made. There, there are issues with how this whole thing has been implemented or is, being, is trying to be implemented. And so I guess I would simply conclude with, um, you know, a question that is given that this this issue has stirred these kinds of, of emotions and some of the questions that have been raised tonight what is the rush to implement this fee structure it has been it is it, I became aware of it in December and we're originally it was talked about having being implemented by February uh, I appreciate the fact that we get to make some inputs on this before it's a done deal it sounds like it may already be. Um, so <laughs> the question is, why can't we give this a little more time and study it and answer some of the questions that we've been raised that have been raised here tonight, and put this off a little longer? I'm Scott Myers. I've been in Lawrence for 27 years, so there's quite a few of us around. Um, I have a couple comments about um, two things. One is when we built the facility, it was geared towards being a large facility to attract revenue from tournaments and outside sales tax. That was one of the fundamental uh, concepts. The other one was to recapture sales tax of the money that we were spending outside for not having that facility. Parks and Rec actually wanted a smaller facility. City went after it and said, hey, can we actually make more money by attracting larger tournaments? The answer is yes, and you guys have done a phenomenal job at selling this facility. My problem is that when we pro proposed the bond for $24, $25 million, that was to build the building, not for the ongoing operations. But the increase in revenue, the sales tax revenue that was generated by XPL needs to be accounted back into the parks and rec budgets. Absolutely. City can't take that, and again, it's not your problem, it's the city's issue because that's the only way that you can pay for a net zero operating cost with no fees. You got your turnstiles, but you need the other side of it, especially if you're moving into a PBB type 
uh, budgeting where you have those indirect expenses now being thrown at you. They need to pony up the rest of the revenue picture so you have a clear and concise understanding and get clarity on your actual budget of what you're trying to shortfall or cover the shortfall. The other aspect of this is once you exclude the low income and fixed income and the folks that are going to get the memberships are free, what else are you selling? If you use the facility on the second floor, you have better options elsewhere. Uh, Planet Fitness, uh, Body Boutique, all of those inside and outside the city have better, have better facilities for that type of operation. The one I have an issue with is that if you're going to sell a membership, we should have priority in the use of it. And that's the floor. You guys have sold the floor to the extent that we can't use the floor when we want to use the floor, which is the winter months. We have awesome parks and rec. Once the winter's done, starting in March, we're outside. But from November through March, we're inside, and we should have priorities on that. Look, look at what 2023 or January is. No weekend uh, hours. You've sold them to HOA. You might as well have sold the naming rights for the facility. And we're only talking SPL. The rest of the facilities, we all agree that we're going to have to pay for use. It's been that way forever. Back in 2016, it was recognized by the city manager that you had no ability to do facility level management. Doesn't appear that you still have. And the city has to provide that transparency to those budget numbers of that increased sales tax revenue stream and apply it towards yours. And then we can have a discussion about fees. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't have that transparency and clarity, we cannot have and you need to push back to the city council and say we need to go back and revisit this because it was promised at zero just for SPL. And that overages or that surplus in sales tax dollars should be funding the rest of your operation, and it's not. Mm -hmm. Got to get back to the city, get clarity and trans uh, transparency. Appreciate that. Anyone else for public comment? Two questions, if you don't mind. Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. Thank you for the advisory board for all of your volunteer work, and I appreciate the LPLD staff being here so early. I wanted to start off, let me pull up my notes so I don't miss anything here. Recently, in, in the article that was quoted earlier about the city manager saying SPL was uh, sold on being free for residents, uh, it was also quoted Taylor Martin talking about how the facilities is booked for that quarter. Actually, he was talking about books for this year, almost fully booked. Um, so I'm, I'm curious as to why it was being spoken about as being so highly economically um, viable and successful, but then we're coming and seeing it on the other end. So was the article just being oversold, or um, where is the disconnect there? Uh, program fees were quickly rolled out, um, so quickly that Lindsay's PowerPoint was out of date by the time it even came to this meeting. Um, my, my guess is that it was, let's get it rolled out before we get to this meeting. Um, was it, was the advisory board, did you recommend that this be rolled out? Uh, so that's, that's my question there. If we have an advisory board, are we utilizing them? Uh, what, is, what, what are they here for if not to advise? Um, Lindsay, you had in your PowerPoint a pyramid. Uh, the second level up was a considerable community benefit, uh, 10 to 50% recovery rates. 
I, I, I'm curious where SPL falls in the recovery rates. Mm -hmm. And um, are we trying to push it above that 50%? If it's falling in the 30%, then it's healthily where it needs to be, um, according to what you're presenting in your right. presentation. Um, also, uh, it was brought up about sponsors earlier. I am a sponsor of SPL. I have a sign there. I had one for, uh, started in 2018. Um, I think it was John Blazik that had brought up that there wasn't much effort put into sponsorship, and I can speak to that firsthand. Um, I had a crazy amount of issues just trying to get paid the first time and get up there in 2019, and then my sign sat, and until it had to be taken down and replaced, uh, no staff ever called me to reinstitute or get a new contract. So I literally probably got a free year out of it. Um, I didn't think about it, and I probably and so until that came up, um, so I can speak firsthand that sponsorship was not pushed hard. Uh, it was not a, a, a front of anybody's mind. It was it was a headache throughout the whole process. Um, and finally, um, I don't know if this is of importance or not, but it is to me. Uh, a lot of the people who are making these decisions for us don't live in limits. Uh, the, the the vast majority of the assistant directors for LPRD do not live in Lawrence. And I feel like decisions that of this that are going to affect, it's easy to make decisions with other, somebody else's money. Um, yeah. This is our money. So it should be it should be made here. And that's where we need to start looking into staffing, uh, releasing real numbers as to where the revenue is going. So thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Other public comments in our building right now? Yes, ma'am. Come on up. State your name, please. Uh, my name is Eric Trentz. Um, I'm 25. I've lived almost my entire life here in Lawrence. Um, worked at Holcomb, coached soccer in Lawrence for four years, coached basketball at Central Middle School for three years. Um, and I don't really have too much to say in terms of stats. Um, I can do better on educating myself when it comes to the numbers, um, but I can speak from personal experience. Not only are the community centers of Lawrence a huge blessing to just the entire city, but um, especially for people who are between the ages of 18 and 30 um, who might not attend KU or have the money to pay um, for a gym membership. You know, we really, really benefit um, from having these community centers um, free. Like I just got done shooting baskets at the East Lawrence Center. I attend pretty much all of the community centers um, at least like once a week to play pickup basketball, um, exercise with my friends. And for the city, you know, we've seen an increase in crime, um, specifically um, drug-related crime, drug overdoses um, occurring in young people. And the last thing that I feel like that we need for the city is to cut out a, another opportunity for people who are close to my age, young adults, um, to have that outlet to, you know, exercise, which will benefit not only their physical health, but mental health. Um, yeah, that's it. Anyone else? In person? All right. So shall we move yeah. on to anyone from our Zoom who have comments? 
So, so, Zoom, if you have your comments, if you want to raise your hand, Jackie will call on you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> or I can. No, I got it. This is my okay. problem. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start with uh, yeah. John Martello. You'll start with us first. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? Yep. Mm -hmm. Great. First, I want to thank everyone for working on this very challenging issue. Very, very enlightening tonight. Um, I do believe the proposed facility admission fee is a slippery slope that will eventually drive more people to private gyms. Now, even if they don't even go, I imagine that'll be a, a secondary negative thing. Um, the facilities will actually become underutilized long-term and, and that's another thing nobody wants. I know the children and low-income individuals will remain free, but I do have to ask the question, what about the senior citizens? And um, why does this middle-class folk have to pay more than they already do? They're already financially strapped and really they need these fees. So putting this on the back of the middle-class who have to pay the taxes and then now pay fees is not really fair at all. Um, I actually support the model that the unified government of Wyandotte County has based on the presentation, which is most inclusive and in that there are no fees for anyone in their community. I think that's the way it should be. That's the way it is now. And I believe we should change. Um, you know, we're putting in walking paths, bike lanes and such around town to increase movement and exercise. And, uh, you know, yet we're considering putting some financial barriers to some of our facilities, the ones that are being discussed tonight. So it's a sort of a mixed messaging. So are we a facility, are we a city that's looking to improve the health and wellness of our citizenry? Or are we only doing it when it's convenient when we have federal tax dollars? And I think, you know, we really all want the best for our city. I do believe that. So um, I think the problem is with the budget. New budgeting system needs to be tweaked further. I think the targets are out of whack. Allocating more funds from the general fund to the parks and rec is needed. I don't, do not believe the budget shortfalls outlined in tonight's presentation should be the sole burden of this group. I don't, I don't think it's, it's fair. I understand the city uh, has shortage of funds in some areas, yet they're able to create and expand other areas these last few years. So this challenge really needs to be resolved on a broader level, um, not by targeting this group and the, these programs that support community engagement and health across the board. So I guess my closing statement is that um, Parks and Recs needs a bigger budget. So you guys aren't placed in this position. That's really where the problem lies. And I wish you the best as you try to find a balance that we all desire. That's my presentation and good luck to you all. Thanks, John. Uh, Barbara, you're next with your hand up for three minutes. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, yes. Good. <clears throat> we love Lawrence Parks and Recreation. It's one of the things that when we retired and moved here, we were most impressed by. Not only the facilities, but all of the other things you do, the Christmas lights, the beds down in um, on Mass Street, all of the things that you do, the parks, 
the travel, I want to absolutely recommend Gail Sigurdsson for her contribution to people who are 50 and over. I mean, she is a fabulous resource. Um, but I think your problem lies in the city not giving you, I agree with the person before, it's the city budget not giving you enough to do all of the things that you do. And so if you could tell us what we need to do to talk to the council, that would be very helpful because the benefits that you give are outweighing the money that you're given to do them. So it's not the revenue versus the your budget, it's how much wonderful things you do that are not recognized by the city council. And I think that's what we need to address. But my other issue is also that all of the city employees ought to have free access. I'm not one, so this is disinterest. All of the city employees need to have access to the sports facilities. So the woman who gets to rock chalk and opens at 6 a.m. and leaves at 10 a.m. If she wants to come back at four and do granny basketball, she mm -hmm. has to pay a fee to enter. I don't think that's fair. So the other thing that I would say is that the senior citizens are probably judging by the population at Rock Chalk are the ones who are most able to afford a fee, but I'm worried about the people at Holcomb and at the community center who maybe can't afford that and don't understand what they would have to do to go through to be able to continue to access those facilities. We have used all of those and there is an absolute difference in the clientele. Um, the last thing I would say is that there is a community fund that older people who are retired who have enough means could contribute to and tag it for use for the LRPD. And I think you need to do more. I get uh, flyers from Pan Parenthood that says how you can use your uh, IRA to reduce your minimum <laughs> distribution requirement. I think you need to do the same thing to your older population to increase donations to the Douglas County Community Fund that would be earmarked for Lawrence Parks and Recreation, because I think there would be a lot of us who would do that. So uh, don't make the employees pay and uh, actually don't make anybody pay, but give us a lot of resources so that we could contribute in different ways and charge those tournaments more. That's me. Thanks, Barbara. Thank Is there anyone else on Zoom that hasn't raised their hand yet that wants to speak? 
All right, I want to thank our entire community who has all shown up for public engagement today and to speak on this topic. I know we have a lot of questions that I think were brought up that might need to be answered, so we maybe need to start going through some of those. You'll see a hand up there. Oh, there's a that's hand, but that's, that's still Barbara. Barbara. That's still okay. Barbara. Okay. So now it comes back to the board okay. for further discussion. All right, so. Hi, everyone. <laughs> okay. So where do we want to begin with some of these questions, or where, where would we I, all like to start? I feel like questions get answered first before we add more, more things. questions and comments. Okay. Or the ones that can be answered anyway. Right. Does um, one of going through some of these, or where do we want to begin here? Because I think from the first part, there were a lot of questions. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of asking myself whether staff was making note. Yeah, have, whether yeah. it's really realistic for us to go through them line by line at this time. Okay. I think it'd be beneficial. I I really do, um, and I I took notes. I'm sure other staff took notes. I'm sure advisory board members took notes. So if we can run through a list of those questions and then what we feel is gapped, we can try to answer those on top of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a great thought. So. Well, I took notes, so I will do my best to kind of go in order as I saw some questions. And please, everyone on the board, if I miss someone or skip something, join in. So it appears one of the first questions was talking about the gap and has the city always filled the gap? I think that was one of the first questions I saw. And I think I would say if Mark can better answer that, he's the budget expert for the department and has continuity with tenure in the city of the department. So there's always been the funding equation, Mark Ecker, assistant director. There's a funding equation that goes on the rec side, golf side. So there's always a, a tax supported piece and a, a revenue supported piece. What's happened over the years through COVID especially is that revenues weren't increasing, but the tax supported was. So if we're trying to balance back to a cost recovery percentage, that's where we've kind of gotten out of whack over the last three years, basically. And then going into COVID, we really weren't increasing fees and we basically stopped in 2020. So that's where we're kind of getting off balance a little bit. So trying to get this back to a, a little bit closer cost recovery model of 30 or so. So the cost, the cost recovery percentage it seems like that's a big, I mean, that's a, that's a sort of an anchor point, right? So that's the subsidy model in the cost recovery pyramid. So user fees, let's say it's an entry-level swim class that recovers 25%. It means the city is supporting Parks and Rec, 75% subsidizes that program. So why is the predicted revenues or actual revenues not equal to expenses. I, I think that's a question I heard also in there. Revenues will never equal expenses unless we're doing an enterprise fund and we're 100% cost recovery. So the programs are, are subsidized. And then is there a second subsidy? I think that's where the question was going, whether it be general fund or sales tax to fix the budget, if, if you're below revenues and your cost recovery should, for programs, should that fix it? And so that's where I think the question mark is what historically 
been the history on on the revenues and during the COVID was we we didn't really touch that for the 2020-21. Yeah, Mark Hecker, Assistant Director. So we've changed our funding models a little bit over the years. So in the past, um, golf course was a standalone enterprise fund. So basically it had to produce the revenue to, to operate on the place capital improvement projects out there. So it did a nice job of supporting the, the operational costs. On the rec side, we had a, like I said before, we had a revenue that didn't make, weren't hitting our revenue targets. We had to cut the expense side on the budget. So in 2019, we rolled both of those funds into the general fund. There might have been 20, but we rolled both of those into the general fund to make it a cleaner budget process. So it removed a little bit of delineation of those separate budgets and separate funding mechanisms that you know, it all comes down to hitting targets. And, you know, we've set targets like this year's budget target. We were supposed to increase revenue by $1.2 million. So that's a lot of the, what we work with with the task force is what scenarios can we come up for one million. And, you know, that, that's, then I give the credit. We came up with some ideas. Now, were they plausible? Were they sellable? That, that's what we're talking about tonight. But, it's always a little bit of a push when you start trying to increase revenues in certain areas. And the, the thing you have to look at is a little bit of equity. So you don't want to increase this program, you know, a very high percentage and then don't touch this one. Or this one goes crazy up 30, 40, 70%. And this one only goes up 4%. So that's the balancing act in this. And that's what's really hard on trying to keep these budgets balanced between program sets. Thanks, Mark. Um, so I think there was another question about the bond and how oh was paid. Do you, can, I don't, yeah. <laughs> we need, uh, we need to ask further questions to his response. I'm sorry, what? I'll be permitted to ask further questions no. to his response. Can we work on finding that more information for the community? With yeah, and I think Wayne had some I mean, you referred to the, uh, yeah, the Build Self Foundation, whatever. But we need to we need to find out authoritatively was that was was that was, was that just a political thing or was it actually you know a sort of contractual thing with citizens that they wouldn't have to pay. And I, I even I don't recall there being a bond issue. I think there was a existing sales tax from the 1990s that had paid off the indoor pool, and the thought was, well, there's now capacity within this existing sales tax. So the, I think some of the discussion was at the city commission level, and not a bond that was voted on by the public. We need to get clear on that. It, it was. That's exactly what happened. Then. Okay. We had paid off all of the, because this was prior to me, they had uh, done several projects with the sales tax, and they had basically, this is a tax without a sunset, had a lot of projects for Parks and Recreation at the time. Um, and I know people have always, you know, there have been community people that have said that it's the Parks and Recreation tax because that's the way it was sold to the community, but it could be used in a variety of different things in the city. So we were looking at a second generation 
for the use of the sales tax and we had pushed you know we were putting some other things on the table previously and then uh, SPL became the topic at that point Mark uh, he can speak to it a lot better than I yeah Roger summarized it well that basically first generation of the sales tax is 94 to so basically 96 projects so as the golf course indoor aquatic center outdoor aquatic center renovation and the they paid off those debt payments paid off we replaced it with the sports pavilion debt payment so that all of the sports pavilion debt payments are being paid by that sales tax so it was just a continuation of the next set of projects no standalone bond vote question on that so where does this promise come from the promise of free for everyone <coughs> free access to the facility at back at that point in time there were one or two commissioners talking about that i don't ever recall it being voted on by the city commission so i think that was salesmanship i don't know i don't recall that being voted on you guys are shaking your heads. I mean, if it was a sunset tax that needed to be re-upped. It's not a sunset. It's, not, it's, it's sunset. perpetual. It's perpetual. And, and, and then those resources were then directed towards SPL. Mm -hmm. Is that still taking place now? Mm -hmm. Mark? Mm -hmm. Is it sales tax or property? No, that tax. The sales tax, is it still being used, Mark, to fund the, the bond payments on SPL? Yes. Yeah, the, I think the, the bond payment, and I don't have the exact numbers, is between 1.2 and 1.4 for 20 years. So we built in 2014, so we still have quite a bit of debt payment on the building. My understanding, and I don't remember where this comes from, is that once the projects that were associated with the new sales tax, which was, in, as I remember, the Parks and Recreation, like Capital Master Plan, once we got those things done, then, and it was like 20 years or whatever, then the obligation to maintain the sales tax for Parks and Rec, it, by the city manager's decision, I think, it then said, no, that language of that sales tax says blah, 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 or other, or other expenses that's needed. You know, they all, and once the park, once the projects were done, then that sales tax was, in, as far as I know, reallocated, just pumped into the general general fund. But that still doesn't get us to the point of, was this officially guaranteed to be free? So where do we i mean there's got to be a document if it was yeah. i'm sure a lot of people would think that i know yeah, but you could yeah, think that's, that's going that's going that's just, but you could you could think it because the city commission said it 
a city commissioner may have said it because I think there was one statement by one city commissioner that I found from way back when 14 or 15 in the journal world that said that but I don't think it ever went to a city commission vote. Well, it could have been could have been all five of them said yeah fine we'll do that but it was never legally formally adopted next thing okay let's move um that is, that is the thing though you know, the lack of the clarity and the transparency even for people that operate in this space on a daily basis if you guys can't come to that clarity and transparency why do you start with the fee start with getting clarity and transparency around those issues for people that are full-time employees or task force members or board members start with clearing that up before you go to fees february 1st and march 1st okay absolutely so uh let's see next question other questions i know there was a question about the pickleball fees being reduced that was a non-resident. 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 So yeah. somebody from Topeka said they had previously paid two hundred and forty dollars, and now we're paying sixty. It's so out of county. Yeah. What I recall, the non-resident fee was higher at Sports Pavilion Lawrence at one point, and it got changed. I, but I also don't have the numbers of how many people were paying that fee. I think they were pretty minimal. That were using. And that was, I believe, part of the reason that it was lowered because they weren't getting that much usage out of it. Okay. That would have so to follow are that. you confirming that the non-resident fee has been lowered? I don't know. I, yes, it was. I can't remember what the starting fee was. It was I know now it is 60. It is 60. I can't That's remember what, what it went from. If you remember from to, to the board, at one point, and I know there was conversation about the resident versus non-resident, and I know there was one particular person that was always pushing for yeah, the non-residents to. And that's a sixty-dollar per year fee. I think this was could have been part of it. In about two thousand nineteen, there was a discussion about right. fees. Exactly. And at that time, the advisory board recommended to the city commission against establishing fees for entry for residents but part of that conversation i think was we should be charging non-residents and i don't the number 60 came from somewhere i don't know where it came from but i think it was part of this a larger conversation that we had at that time does that sound right yes okay. it is okay all right uh, next question I Jackie, saw. Was, Jackie, yes. this is John Blasek. I was on the board back when Marilyn, and I think we started a little bit earlier than that. Marilyn got right on, but there was times where we were letting visitors come in for free. I mean, I went over to Topeka one day and I had to pay to get in. So I'm out there working out and they just let everybody in for free at Rock Chalk Park for quite a few years. And then, then we got into that and I, I can't remember everything, Marilyn. I know you were involved. We were trying to get something charged on people who live here. So it's just kind of interesting. All right. Uh, I think the next one was someone had asked about the one million increase. Oh, on the golf, the golf, the golf course. So yeah. we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Mark, Mark, get up. I can get that one. 
uh, Mark Hecker, System Director. So on the golf budget particularly, one one of the biggest changes is we're being charged total for all water usage out there, which is a half million dollar line item. And then we have $200,000 worth of internal service charges. So that's the charges we talked about on all the other, you know, finance, um, legal risk management. And then there's a capital improvement project in there that's not normally in the budget. So that's it's pretty fancy project. I all want to tour for replacing the liner in the sewage lagoon. So that, that's a $125,000 item that normally has not been budgeted in the golf budget, but that's the appropriate place for it. So that comes up to almost the $1 million difference. The other difference is the increase in, in hourly wages for full-time and part-time staff. Thanks, Mark. Going back to the SPL, there is a place on the city's website lawrenceks.org slash forward slash archives dash sports pavilion that has all the documents that are part of the sports pavilion building has renderings it has all the construction documents on there as well again that's lawrenceks.org forward slash archives slash or not slash dash sports pavilion so archives dash sports pavilion or you can just search on the um, city's website and just put archives spl or sports pavilion you should be able to get it thank you i think that's what i have for the last questions from public comment unless some other people noticed any other ones that they can I've got one from Ray Mendoza on the, the PASS system, and I, I think that was something the golf course might have been looking at on setting up some, a different system. We were going to look into options. So that is, that concerns being looked at. Yep. And to the, the sponsorship at Sports Pavilion, the one that a speaker spoke to, um, that it's it was in several different transitions at the time of 2019 i believe it was in the recreation side of the house um, at that point it had been with with my office for a while and we had a part-time staff that was hired to go out and solicit we had sold the wall and then uh, it got transitioned out um, and then during covid i and i'm I, the gentleman spoke 2019 i believe it was 2020 as to his specific one and that was at a time when we were buildings were open but they weren't fully opened and one of the things we kind of put it on ice and from my standpoint i probably should have sent out letters to everybody had been transparent saying hey we're going to put this on hold because the facilities are not open it's not servicing you and so we just let that run until we reopened and then started the clock again. And then recently Taylor has taken over the that whole process with the sponsorships on the wall at SPL. So we are getting that cleared up. But I wanted to address that specific instance that we did go on ice for a while because all our facilities were closed. And then when we opened, we weren't open at the same hours that we had had them actually purchase them at at the time. And then in good faith, I didn't think that was the right way to, to do a sponsorship either. 
So we just allowed it to continue until a period of time when we were fully opened. So we do have someone currently then. Yes, Taylor has basically re-upped the wall pretty okay. much. I keep coming. The gymnastics wall. Yes, that gymnastics wall there, yes. Okay. But is he working on any other parts of the building or yeah. well, overall the one, um, I've been working with the re-up with LMH and the contract and we're in we're in towards the end of that. So we're getting there. Um, so T Taylor's main focus is that ball with the sponsorships and I think it's in, in the recreation report kind of what he's how many he's sold and what he's been working on and that's awesome but, but I I guess is all other his. than L that and LMH right. are we actively soliciting other sponsorships at this time no how much are you paying for the sponsorships a thousand dollars Dip in on the sponsorship. Mark would like to comment. I think we talked sponsorships, but we never really put our foot forward on trying to solve that. So for sponsorships to be part of the budget scenario, it's going to have to be sustainable year after year after year. So we're going to have to say we expect to produce 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 a year for it to help with our budget. And to do that, I think Marilyn mentioned this when we were walking through the task force is we're probably going to have to pay money out. So in other words, it may cost us 75000 to produce 270000 Right. And we, Mark, you might speak to the person that we actually put this out for an RFP at one point. And we right. were looking at, you know, doing that thing, that exact thing. But then I think it got to be that the cost that they were charging was so much more than what we would get in return. It wasn't beneficial mm -hmm. for us. And I think we need to take it maybe another run at that. And then the other yes. bigger thing, the city commission has chimed in on this, is if we're gonna do a naming rights to a facility, it needs to be a substantial amount of money. It's not you know $100,000 a year. It's, it's a much bigger number than that if you wanted your name on the front of the sports event. And we haven't put resources towards selling that. And, uh, you know, there are professional companies that do this for a living that couldn't bring in a bigger name than we as staff can do. So, you know, I think if we want to keep talking about this, we need to set a target and then set a program to make it happen. Otherwise, it, we're just going to keep fumbling around like we have for, since the sports pavilion open, basically. Yeah. I, I can I, jump in and answer. Sorry. Go ahead. If I you. think we need to decide what we're going to do from now right well that, are there any other questions for I have one more question to answer Lindsay yes. Hart assistant director I was going to answer Brian's question about SPL I forgot you um, so SPL uh, on the on the tier chart as you mentioned falls in tier two which should bring a cost recovery of 25 to 50 percent as a staffed facility uh, they are budgeted to bring in or to be at about 41 percent cost recovery in 22 uh the way their revenues are coming in they're going to be sitting at about 15 maybe 20 percent so even with our proposed fees admission fees all these things combined it could possibly get them up to maybe 25 percent but they're going to be hard pressed to even hit 30 percent so again they're they're getting close but they are below so there is room to grow uh, i know in the article um i don't have the all the context in front of me but I know the the full tournament season, January through May, uh, you know, is, is completely booked. But summer and then into the fall definitely has room uh, to 
you know, to increase uh, bookings and rentals and things like that. To, to sum on the tournament, um, and it may have been you that mentioned this, when it first came out, it was a new toy in the, in the region. Got a lot of interest, and then we had competition from Hy-Vee Center and some others that um, the sports teams, or the basketball in particular is what I'm thinking of, they, they shop, and who's going to come the best deal? And um, last year, I know staff can, I, I said, no, we're not going to give away an extra fifteen dollars or $25,000. The idea was they should come here and they say, Lawrence is great, we want to come back here, but if they're... It's a unique group of people that go out for these tournaments as more competition for facilities came up. Um, Lindsay could talk about the numbers, but our numbers are down dramatically on tournament revenues. Granted, some of that's coming out of... Can we ask, like, can I ask Wayne a question? <laughs> do, do you know, like, the reputation of SPL versus regional spaces for tournaments? Well, I mean, clearly it's a, a state-of-the-art facility, but like any business, there is competition. Right. And whether it's in the, you know, the weekend tournament fulfillment space or whether it's in the marketing and naming rights space, and so people are going to go where they can get the best deal. I understand want to be competitive uh, within that, but again, looking at the budget and this significant deficit in expenses and revenue, can beggars really be choosers in this? Can we really have the expectation that for the naming rights of um, uh, the Lawrence Sports Pavilion, that hey, it has to be you know two point X million over X amount of years when maybe we do have a smaller offer on the table? Like we have numbers we got to hit, uh, you know, here in this. And I'm not, I don't know of any other business or entity or budget that gets the luxury of continuing to operate in the same way with a significant deficit and not making any type of significant changes uh, that don't come with passing the buck on to somebody else. Um, I will say that we are limited here in terms of hotel space, obviously the centrality in Kansas City to, to an airport, uh, but when this place did first open, there were marquee tournaments from across the country that did see this as a viable destination. And, and there's gotta be bigger symptoms. I mean, I even look across the parking lot and see the Best Western Plus uh, that, you know, was established right there to clearly be able to benefit from those tournaments. If Best Western Plus has to sell and change a name, wow, like, someone's missing the mark in terms of being able to generate enough business on the weekends and tournaments to keep one hotel open that's right across the parking lot that will be a preference for any team or any family to stay at. And so it seems to be like a lot of bigger issues, um, you know, and, and that, you know, the fee is a symptom of a bigger issue that really needs to be addressed. Jackie, this is John Blazik. Jackie? Yeah, John, we're here. I'd like to pigtail off that gentleman because that's what I do all summer. I travel the country working with referees and I'd like to reiterate what he just said. When this opened up, I want to say eight years ago, I don't know. This was the hot place to come. Now, uh, I think they added videotape. We just were told that I think last three, four months ago, which I think will be good because they can sell some videoing. I go all over the country right now. They're starting to go to newer places. They're starting to go where they can fly in, have more housing. 
different things. I have no clue what Lawrence Sports Pavilion charges for a weekend tournament compared to the High V Center or uh, the Forum in Wichita or the new one in Omaha, but everybody's got them now. And I think they've got to do something to be competitive because right now the, those teams aren't coming here anymore. And you can see that in your data and your line items on how much million is below on their budget. So I would like to just reiterate what he just said. Thanks, John. All right. Any more questions or comments from our advisory board? There was yes. two questions that I think, I mean, I'm sure we can't like dig in and answer everything exactly tonight, but one regarding the actual budgets of each facility and how they compare and which ones are doing well and which ones aren't. That was brought up by somebody. And do we have that? I mean, is that how it's broken down? <coughs> and then also a... Oh, um, lastly, the person that said, please tell us what to do to take this back to the city, if it should be something that goes to the city commission. I can't answer your question. <laughs> um, your first question, Mark, do you think you could share the cost centers and we can just kind of walk through there on, on what their expenses and um, revenues? Maybe that's not it. <laughs> I, I know, I'm, I'm hitting you off the cuff and that may not even be possible. As a board member, what are we going to do with that? It's not our job. It's not our job to approve the operating budget or anything like that. I think, what, if I recall, this all came about is staff, Derek and Lindsay and others came to us and said, we've been ordered to close a $1.2 million gap. And then the advisory board said, can we please be part of that conversation rather than it just being a staff conversation? Um, now, since that, that gap has grown from 1.2 million to somewhere over 2 million, which is an, an issue that bothers me, but, uh, but we were not, the advisory board was never in a position to say, um, should we, you know, is this a good idea or not? It was more a question of we've got increased revenue. We're either going to do this or we're going to do that. And those are our only options. And I think the task force um, operated under those assumptions. Yeah. Um, and I'll just go out on a limb now and say that I, I actually agree with the members of the public who think this, we need to take a step back and we need to ask questions of, this, of the city manager and perhaps make a recommendation to the city commission about this. Um, we've seen enough public outcry tonight and in our email inboxes that I think it would be um, a mistake and a breach of trust to have a quick vote tonight and to go ahead with approving the recommendation that actually I was part of, you know, one of the ones that made it. I, I learned a lot tonight, and um, based upon all of the great comments that were made, I think we need to take a different approach to this and not uh, a knee-jerk, very fast um, answer that's going to disenfranchise a lot of people in our community. You guys, your clapping isn't helping. Jackie? It really isn't. It becomes intimidating. 
<laughs> yes, John. Yeah, really? I kind of like it. I want to disagree. I want to disagree. Oh, okay, can you hold on one second? John was talking too. So, are you finished or no? No. Okay. John, okay, go ahead. John, this? finish up. Okay, I want to take issue with what Marilyn is proposing. I think what has been brought to us tonight is enough information to suggest there are value issues that are involved here that ultimately will have to be decided with political accountability. That political accountability, and I'm talking now as a former council member and mayor, that accountability, this, these discussion, these comments are comments that I commonly would associate with comments made to a city commission. The issue here about this gap and how much the earned revenue is going to fill the gap versus um, the general general taxes is going to fill the gap. It's not our it's not our issue. It's the council's the commission's issue. And what I suggest is that we endorse the task force report. We we instruct um, to the extent that we can. We instruct Derek to let to include the report with an addendum that council, the advisory board takes issue, is taking issue with some of these matters. And then what we also do is we send a direct communication to the city commission. And we say, we have had this meeting, we have made a proposal under the conditions that we were that, that we were operating under, we have you have access to the task force report. We recommend that you address the task force report and the resident comments at a city commission meeting. I mean, we can. How far? What can we do? We can't solve this issue. We've been asked to make a recommendation, and you are saying that you think we should vote to approve the recommendation. That the task force came up with? Yeah, I think we defer on that. With the caveat, <laughs> you know, that John Blazik? Yes, this is John Blazik. I just have two or three things. I took some notes, too, and... and uh, Jackie, I just want to make it really clear. When I came on this board six years ago, this is an advisory board, okay? When we vote for things, it's supposed to go to the city council. I never volunteered for this position on this advisory board to make decisions that affects people's pocketbooks. That's not my job. That's your city council and city manager and Derek. They make the big decisions, the big bucks. That's number one. Number two, if you're going to ask me to vote, I'm going to vote no. I don't agree with it. I don't like it until I see what Derek has done within the department of staffing uh, programs. Because it was really obvious, and I didn't think of this, and I love the bike route, but when we're over budget, why do we drop that kind of money? It's obvious nobody's told no. State money. The other thing, let me finish, John. I listened to you. 
the other thing that really bothers me, and community members need to understand this, and I've talked to Derek about it for two or three years. I know he doesn't want to listen, nor does anybody else. We have people making these decisions on increase of pay, and six of the seven assistant directors don't live in our community, people. They don't pay this. They come to work, they go home. You need to know that. And it was mentioned by a gentleman earlier. I wanted to reiterate that. The other thing, the city employee, the young lady that spoke, had a lot of information she didn't give us, but she did make a comment. I've worked there behind the scenes. There's a lot of places to cut. We all got an email from a community member. There are a hundred, I want to say 49 or 52 employees, city employees that are $90,000 and up. You don't think you can't cut funds or cross train or not fill? That concerns me as a taxpayer, and that's what I'm here for. And I leave this decision up to the city council and the city manager. That's why they, they're paid. And there's got to be direction from Derek since he's the director. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks, John. Um, may I make a comment? John, uh, you're more than welcome to come in. I'd be glad to show you the org charts from 27 or 2017 to now. Actually, our numbers are down on staff, but I think that's one of the things you're has been one of your issues. I'd be glad to walk through that with you and you can see where we are. I think we're, for example, uh, somebody mentioned adult sports. That position is cut in the 23 budget as a position savings. I and mean, if you look at the cost recovery, the adult sports is a legacy program that wasn't getting the, the revenues, um, softball. So now we put that under one um, supervisor. So youth sports is now supervising over youth and um, Adult. adult sports. We do have the program with the you, you don't need we to do just tell me that yeah, needs know, to be trans that yeah. needs to be transparent to this to the community members. Because I know one person retired, you hired two to take that position. And I've watched this, Derek, and I've tried to talk to you, and you you always give me attention. I appreciate that. But when I go out, it falls on deaf ears. I've known that for six years since you've been on here. I I, I mean I've been the biggest supporter of this for three years. In the last three years, and I know Mark is pretty smart when it comes to budgeting, but I saw this fall coming three years ago. All I had to do was watch your numbers and participation and people that don't live here, nobody knows, and your office is locked and things like that. I mean, I watched this. I just watched the budget. I mean, that was an easy thing to follow. So I know you don't, you'll always take time for me. I appreciate that. But when I walk out, it's dropped. So, so I think so you need to make the city, the community members, yeah. the taxpayers transparent on what you're doing. Okay. Thank you. Um, John or Andrea or Val, any other comments or questions right now? Is Pat on there? Is Pat on there? He must have gotten home. Oh, wait, Pat, you're right. Pat, we did lose Pat. Okay. All right. Um, I just... Oh, this is Val Renault, board member. Um, I keep looking back at the, uh, sorry, the email that Stephen Coprint wrote that says, it's his second email. Well, I understand it may be within staff's power to make this change unilaterally. I believe that the community deserves an up or down vote by its elected officials on a matter of this significance. And then he brings up, particularly given that a previous city commission touted free access as key consideration. 
in support of building the SPL. I urge the advisory board to recommend that the city commission review this matter, offer the opportunity for public deb debate and put it to a vote. So I, I, I'm just reading him because I, that's the approach I agree with at this point. Thanks, Val. Andrew, anything? I, listening through everybody uh, this evening, um, I'd have to say that I kind of agree that it's really not a place for us to um, be making that kind of decision for the community. Um, and I don't really feel comfortable uh, making that vote. Um, I am inclined if we are forced to vote on it that my answer would have to be no this evening, but I think we um, definitely need to think about this more um, and or um, put it to the commission um, at this point, so. Thank you. Thanks, Andrea. All right, so I think we've heard that John would like to bring it up for a vote. My question is, can things be split? Can we split and separate out the $2 option versus the raises that we've talked about and vote on those things? Or do we have to vote on them all at once with the, the options? Can, so you mean splitting program the three, fees, sorry, the, the, pro, the program fees, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Can we? Because there were two different. Versus the admission, right? Right. So. Program versus admission. Would we feel comfortable as a board separating those out and voting on them? Or is this all one thing that we have to bring to, to the city manager? I mean, to me, it's it's all one thing because of the the change in the way our budget has been calculated affects both programs and and access to rec centers. And um, I'm not comfortable really voting to approve either one of them right now. It'd be a rec recommendation. So the fees that you heard, you're not being on that task force, you're not endorsing the option one fees. We really didn't hear much public input on that. We actually did. I mean, we had another number of people like Aaron Payton who said, you know, the way this budget increase has been calculated is bogus. And he talked about the reasons that he thought that was true. And I, um, I kind of agree with that. It's, it's like, we were going along with one set of rules and suddenly there's been this sort of like other set of rules put on that seems to be forcing us into a corner and nobody's asking the question whether the new set of rules is really right and just. Um, so I, yeah. I, I find it weird that we went from 2020 to 2000. 23 or 24 with a, like a 58% increase in costs to suddenly go from, you know, not having to account for any indirect costs and some of these things that suddenly like in one year we're supposed to make up for all that. Um, I guess I'm questioning that now. Well, that wasn't a Parks and Rec decision, was it? Which is why I think this needs to be. Yeah, so the elevated. question is how are we going to get it there? And you're 
so for my clarification, you're saying that we have to send a recommendation to get it to city commission? That's what I would, I mean, that's what I would do. To get it, I mean, just get, get it there so they have to, to they, they have to consider it. Because it can't go there without a recommendation. Well, could well, I who, what would go there? I mean, it would be just Derek taking what he recommends, which is, I guess, what the task force decided, and he would just take it to the city well, manager. And staff can not take our recommendations. Staff can do well, whatever staff true. needs to do. That's true. What I would envision happening would be there'd be a recommendation, either for or against, and then as department director, I will make a recommendation, which may or may not align with the advisory board, but I would document everything that we have to include the emails, the comments, and that would be attached to the city manager's report. So there's the recommendation coming from the advisory board through the director via the tools that I have available to adjust our budget. I can't mm -hmm. change the way that we do our financial accounting procedures. Mm -hmm. that, that is a city function. Mm -hmm. So that would be my thoughts about how we go about getting the recommendations of the board to the city commission. Mm -hmm. So I'm not clear, what would you want us to do? Look at the options one and two. And if you want to vote on it as a package of support or non-support, do that or break it out option one or two. And we can all vote how we want because it doesn't have to be a... No. No. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yes. Okay, we can all say vote. what we own personally recommend, and then you take that information. So, from my perspective, what I've seen as a director in the department, Rogers got most of the parks department emails, and I'm sure Lindsay, Mark, and everybody else has got them. I would say a very high percentage has all been about admission fees to rec centers. Great. Really, had, I've had some feedback on fees adjustments. Really, not that much. You may have gotten quite a bit more Maryland than I did, but um, and you know, I've heard from the golf community and some uh, off-site meetings, and I've heard from Ray a couple times, and we've had good conversations with the group, but we haven't had much input on the fee structures, which is the option one, because you also discussed how do we fill this budget gap? That budget gap still exists. We were nine hundred thousand dollars down in twenty twenty-two, and even with these adjustments, we're down. $2 million. So if we do not do something, how should the city fill that gap? You know, 21 positions, or 20 positions, and it won't come from all recreation. And to John's point, that's in the same position as the school district, and a lot of this on the budgets. So as we go into the budgets, we will have those discussions with the city manager's office and with other departments as we look at how what do the numbers look like for 2024? Where's the tax base? What's going on? Mm -hmm. So that's just part of the discussion. If you have other ideas that fill in that budget gap, put those in the recommendation. Mm -hmm. Or in your thoughts in the comments if, if John's, if it's an addendum to mm -hmm. the recommendation. You're assuming that, that that budget gap is legitimate and reflects the desires of the community. And I think what we're hearing tonight makes me question that. You know, um, there are a lot of people who 
we're very supportive of the department and everything we do and, and said, you guys should be given more money. And I, I think we need to, um, at least I'm interested, I'm interested in, in pushing that question forward to your superiors. Um, I think that would be an addendum to a recommendation. And to the point of the priority-based budgeting, if everything's a priority, then nothing is a priority. So we went to the cuts with Prairie Park Nature Center. Would there still be an admission fee for Prairie Park? And you know, is that consistent? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But everybody said, do not, you know, let's say Prairie Park Nature Center. So our goal, our task of the department is to make them financially sustainable for the future. And so that's what I'm trying to do to get them back on track. They're bringing in revenue about 10 to 11%. Historically, they brought in 27%. Um, salaries are $350,000 of their $424,000 budget. Um, it's, it's just astounding. And, and animals cost a lot to feed. They have got a lot of donations. But it's gonna be, if we don't do this, then what is a tier four? We have three tier fours. Uh, cemeteries, levees, Prairie Park Nature Center, and uh, golf. golf. What and every department has tier fours, and we have tier ones. So I think the priority-based budgeting is going to come up again on you know what's sustainable and how we're going forward. And and I totally get it. This is not easy. And it's not simple recommendations. And the tools of a director are very limited. I'd, we, we do make changes in staffing, so when uh, a position was lost, we put the priority to put that position, and uh, the adult supervisor left over at the East Lawrence Center, so they'd have a full-time person over there, and we chose not to fill that supervisor position, so. Well, maybe what we do then is we split the issues Okay, um, and we, we vote on each of them, and then we, then what I would do is make sure that we as an advisory board, we communicated with the mayor and the city commission and said, you know, this is, um, this is, this is an issue that goes beyond, you know, and do we all individually do that? Do we draft a letter from the board? How does that? I mean, in the, the last time this all came up, um, the chair, which was me at the time, I drafted a letter that the advisory board approved. Yeah. I mean, because for me, I mean, I think we could split the two things out. Mm -hmm. um, I know I've made it pretty clear how I feel about the fees. I, I do not think we should charge anything for our community to pay to go to any of our centers. I felt that way from day one, but I wanted to hear everybody else. Um, but I really think sponsorship is a gaping hole in, a, in Parks and Rec and in our community. And I think that needs to come to the forefront. And as Mark had mentioned earlier, we need to come up with a number. So maybe we need to come up with a number and that needs to be how this matching needs to be begin for Parks and Rec at this point. You know, so we're not taking it back to our citizens and the, the, the people who live in Douglas County we're going to start finding other ways to raise our revenues so it doesn't come back to the people constantly, constantly, constantly. 
And I don't know if that can be tied in or that has to be in a letter or how we roll with that I too. I think that would be a longer term mm -hmm. um, consideration. I mean, the consideration right now is um, how do we get, in my mind, how do we get the attention of the city commission on these issues that clearly go beyond beyond our, our, our authority and scope. But I think the, the, the programming of fees, I think we can go ahead with that, at least to show some good faith, you know? So I'm gonna articulate what I am taking away as the major issues that need to go back to the city commission. One being, what's up with this budget? And are there things in it that really aren't making that target an accurate and fair target? And two, back to this political obligation and responsibility of what your community is taking away as the process, the transparency, and what they believe as taxpayers they should be getting for that money because there is a story in the community that these places are not supposed to cost more than we as taxpayers are paying it already. So, and I agree. So what we could do is we could vote for the, vote for the um, programming, programming phase. Programming phase, well, yes, mm -hmm. programming phase. Separately, vote no, and then have an explanation of you know the broader the reasons why we the reason why we wrote because I think that what I just heard over and over and over again the big picture is the two hundred thousand dollars raised by the pro the admission fees costs this community so much more in so many other ways whether it's the eighteen to thirty year olds whether it's the parents whether it's the senior citizens and it doesn't align with the strategic plan of the city overall to come back around and be like a no we're in charge for this i think we're going to have to take a vote on each one uh, i don't want to just say by consensus there yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. i mean i have problems with the first part because aquatics is is going up so much and there's no provision for low-income people so could we do a proposal, a, a caveat into option one to reassess the, the Well, I think you can call the question. You can ask us to vote on, okay, program fees. Uh, do you support or not support the task force recommendation? And we can all vote on that. Second one, do, do admission fees, do each of you support or not support the task force recommendation and then our by our voting that is us saying that we are moving forward on option one option two either yay or nay or yay yay nay nay basically okay all right well so what's your jackie? yes john jackie i have a question i have it written down here and i and i need to have a little clarification before we do anything for me i know there was an article in the paper and derek made a comment that we listened to the community and I assume that was part of making, charging people. And all the emails I got, I didn't get one that said anything. They were all negative. And I'm curious, do you have a list of people that called and supported it or emails, Derek, that we didn't get shared? 
Because if you listen to the community, I don't think there's one person who talked about charging people. Am I wrong? There was one. There was, there was one. one. There was one. There was one. one. I think it was yeah. the equity piece. If all kids were free and at the low income, I think that was the piece that we call. We got some support for that. We got support for that. Okay. Thank you, Jackie. Are we ready to call the question? All right, so. Questions? Yeah, I think it is questions. So uh, advisory board, what we're gonna look to try to do is we're gonna first vote on option one. Well, you need a you need so a motion. So I need I need a, mo need a motion. Okay, so I need a motion from. Okay, this is John Dalbanian, board member. So option one is about the program fees. Program fees. Mm -hmm. I vote that we um, endorse the task force recommendation on program fees. I assume you need a second. You just need a second. I'll make a second on that. Good. All right, so we have a proposal by John and a second by Amber. All those in favor of moving forward with the vote for the task force recommendation on option one, can you raise your hand and say aye? Three, four, okay, Andrea. Okay, so and so. Four, four Andrea, okay. Andrea's four. Aye, so. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, Amber. So what is it? Four three? Jackie. Four two? John. And so and we then, have four. And then you have to say nay. And for all those nays. Two, three. Three. So option one passes four to three. Now we're looking for a proposal on option two. Motion. Mo a motion for option two. So can the motion be to deny that recommendation or you no? You can make your motion whatever you want. Yeah. Make, a positive, okay. make a positive one then vote it down. Okay. That would be, I think, okay. more appropriate. So I'll do that too. So I move that we uh, recommend um, fee structure for admission to facilities. That's, that was recommended by the task force. All right, so we're looking for a second for that. So far I'm confused. If you second it, that means you're voting yay, right? No, it doesn't no, then mean that. No, you're okay. just well, saying, then I'll second it. Then right. you're just allowing the vote okay. to take yeah. place. Yeah. Please, right. please review that motion. I don't understand it. John, could you repeat it? <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Um, I have, you want to do it? Okay. No, go ahead. Okay, I have that, the recommendation for option two for the fee structure as proposed by the task, by the task force. Which is the facility fees. Which is the facility fees. Admission, yes. Admission, okay. <laughs> all right. So all those on the board in favor? All those opposed? I'm going to vote in favor. Okay, okay. so we have one. Okay, so one favor. All right. One, to repeat, six. all those opposed? All right. It makes it look like a reasonable vote. <laughs> all right. So, second one, we have six to one. 
Correct. To separate. All right. Um, I feel like we should, on behalf of the advisory board, work on a letter and that we can give yes. to the city commission. Um, I can work on putting that together. Oh, great. And kind of allow everyone else to edit it and work on it. Uh, Is that doable, or can we well, not do that? Or you you're going to need to, yeah, okay. we'll need to figure that okay. piece out. We can do that, okay. but it'll have to be through me and oh, then sent. Oh you can't or, or can we work on it through the task well, force? Well, what you can do is if you want to have the task force reconvene, you can do that. Okay. You can create a whole new task force if you wanted to, or a little okay. subcommittee to How write the letter. Okay. It's three the max for the task yes. force. No, four. Well, actually, right now, because we have eight. Um, yeah, that's a good question. What's Because that's an even number. Well, we should see if anybody else. Yeah, three to be So, I mean, is there anybody else that's interested in serving in that role now? Board members? I think you're the rock stars. All right. Well, how about we work on writing a letter? That we can get out then too. Right. Let's do that. And okay. Then what we'll, we'll maybe Don't make it a long letter. <laughs> okay. No. Really, I'm just no, yeah, you know. Yeah. I think I think you know. There's going to be a there's going to be a newspaper article. There's going to be a Lawrence Times article. There's going to be enough. You know, city commission would have to be totally out of it not to get a sense of what what went on. Yeah. So all I, we need to well, do is to say. Look, this is serious. This is serious stuff. Been, I, I feel like we can we yeah, can well, work this together. We've what we'll have to do, though, is it'll have to be approved by the board for it to be sent okay. by the board. So it could be the next month or a special meeting or something that we can make. I'll have to talk with well, legal to see if we can do that. Online. We'll have to see about that. I'll okay. talk with Lee, with Tony about that. Okay. Um, the other piece to that is. Once it gets written, I will put it on the agenda, on the consent agenda for the commission then that they can pull. We recently did this with the Cultural Arts Commission. We had that board write a letter and then they had a discussion from it. So that may be the way it goes or it could be the city manager report from where this springs from as well. So, but there, I just want to let you know the process of how that letter goes to the commission. Thank you. We'll say that again. It will be put on the consent agenda once it's been approved by the board to be put on the con consent on the agenda. Yes. Consent yes. Agenda. Yes. And then they but can not before. It's a city manager report. Right. The board. Right. Correct. Correct. So it could actually so. put this in moot, but I, I still think it's important to write the letter yes, just right. so you have a sense of, of a board as what your your whole focus was. And to me, I think that letter should be attached to the city manager's report. Well, we'll, we we'll have to maybe do a special meeting then. And we'll, we'll I'll figure, I'll work with legal to see what the coma replication is. You can just do a special meeting. It's just this and it You could. Yeah. It could take it should, should, should not be very long. Yes. They're going to pay attention to the city manager's report. Yeah, they, absolutely. And that's where I think that data should be in just one yes. piece. So. And then we need to, we should have the letter as soon as possible, then I'm assuming, right? And that's going oh. back to Rogers. Right. Okay. okay. So you well, you could approve, see, this is where the ta the board can approve a letter, but are you going to have three people write it and say, yeah, I agree with everything in the letter? That's the question that you guys have to decide as a board. As oh, you mean when the task force? Well, no, as a board. As a board if you want to just say, if the board wants to say task force, write this letter on behalf of the the board, then that gives you the freedom to do that. But without them seeing the letter, that's the piece. Can they 
receive the letter individually in an email and just approve it I can through I, email? I can, send, I can send it out to everybody once you've written it. Uh -huh. I need to find out because there is some legal things with coma and emails. We can't get in the email reply all sure. thing, as you know, on right. every email I send you guys. Right, okay. But it's p possible that people can just be like, yes or no on that letter. We, I need to, I don't want to give you an answer okay. to that. I will find that out. Okay, so let's schedule a meeting then. <laughs> okay, uh, so in terms of the agenda item two, we're good on this now, we can go to the, because we're not done with our meeting yet, so. Okay. I might need another break. Okay. Can we take a five-minute break yes. again, everybody? Five-minute break? Okay. Let's make it ten. It's been a long time. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. You just stuck around. Thank you. I really was very enlightening. Heard a lot. Yeah, gonna stick around. I've got a pile of story. Ah, gotcha. Let me crash your table, though. Okay, we're going to get started again. Let's go back. Um, I want to clarify letter that the board wants to do. You can do it, like, like we said, have the task force. You can basically have the board write the letter, and then we'll submit it in without sight unseen with everybody. You can have the task force write the letter, and then we can have convene a special meeting. There's a little bit of stuff I have to do to get that done, but that's not a problem either, to have a special meeting to get the meeting to put with his stuff that goes up to the city commission as well. Why can't we all just vote by email if we're not talking to each other? Because it's a coma thing. It's, yeah, that's just the biggest, it's the email, because then it's, it, what else are you doing through email? So we could have as a, as a board. We could have a Zoom call. We could, but we'd have to. That's yeah. I mean, because it would be convened and it would be public meeting, okay. so public could sign up for it. But it would last five minutes potentially, unless somebody had something to discuss. But what I would I would suggest you do with the letter is to kind of frame it. You know, so you guys have, so you, you all discuss what you want in that letter. And I think you kind of spell that out, if that's what you guys all feel. If the board feels those three things that you well, listed off. Well, we can kick it tonight back to all the board members and say, is there anything in particular that yeah. you want? Okay. Right, so that's yeah, what I would suggest. I think that's, so okay. If there's things that you want in the letter that you will be writing it toward. Let's talk so about it now. There you go, exactly. <laughs> okay. So I think we're still right. on number two then. Yeah, we're still on number two. Sorry. All right. All right, so thanks for hanging with us, everyone on Zoom, uh, board members. So uh, we do want to write a letter that will go with everything that Derek takes to the city manager. So if there's things you'd like to comment on now, uh, you know, raise your hand and let me know, and we'll try to figure out what we're going to put in this letter. So, Jackie, do you want my closing closing thoughts on this, or do you want me to wait till the end of the meeting? As well, you have your time during. I mean, if you want to speak to the number to this thing, we can. But don't you want to? I mean, are you guys all good for the letter then? I mean, I just want to make sure anyone here has something. I think. I started right here. I think one thing that should be in the letter is something about um, the range of comments, the content of the comments, raise the values issues that really affect the community as a whole and that and that we thought should be, should be addressed by the city commission something like that thanks john uh john Blazet, andrea Val. um 
This is Andrea, a board member. I definitely think we need to put in what Amber said about um, like the city's goals and strategic plan aligning with the proposal, um, because I think that is, you know, really relevant to be looking at what the city as a whole is wanting um, and then what we're doing. So, and then discussing, you know, the budget and um, the revenue and, and that kind of stuff. So. Do we know enough about the strategic plan of the city to know that this would, that, that what we would, you know, how our proposal? Yeah, and unmistakably, Lawrence, we get all the different. Oh, but if you look at PBB is ties to the strategic plan. So mm -hmm. facilities are actually tier three, if I recall, if you really get down into it. Tier two is our rec programming. Um, tier one is open spaces. And then tier four was the other three items we mentioned. But those tiers were voted on by city staff, not by the community. Yeah, I'm not an expert on the, the PBP. Okay. But yes. Well, I no, I, I, can the rec centers in the sense of admission or no admission not be seen as open space, you know, analogous to the, to the parks? You know, we get we get the money for the parks, we get the money for the loop. So if you go back to our cost recovery model, those are the open spaces are not staffed facilities, staffed parks. There's there's no admission, there's no fence. When you start to raise into the cost recovery model of a staffed facility in that ten to fifty percent recovery, that's where you're crossing that line and is staffs involved. There's someone who has to lock and unlock that door. Yeah. I, I did see Casey come up. I didn't know if she had any comments or thoughts. Oh, thanks, Derek. Sorry, this is Casey Toomey. I'm an assistant city manager. I've been sitting through the discussion and appreciate all of um, the board members input and, and all of the, the public that we heard from tonight. I did just want to make one point about the strategic plan that um, the other part of our strategic plan is our commitments. And those commitments include fiscal stewardship, they include environmental sustainability, they include equity and inclusion, they engage, um, include community engagement, which we've had a lot of here tonight. So as you talk about the strategic plan, keep in mind that everything that we do, if we just look at something through one of those lenses, um, we might make a different decision than if we look at them through all of them and have to balance all of those. So I just wanted to, I hadn't heard much talk about those. I've heard you all talk a lot tonight about equity and inclusion. Um, and I've heard us kind of talk about the other ones, um, but maybe not quite as uh, coming out directly and saying that, you know, we, as we talk about our strategic plan, we really are all trying to balance um, those commitments across all of what we do. And that work is our community's work to do. And we would all individually balance them maybe one, you know, different ways. But when we as a community come together and try to figure out how we balance those, that's where these conversations are lying. So that's just the only thing I would add. That was helpful. Thanks. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, can I ask Casey a question? Uh, Casey, are you you're still there? Um, is it possible to resolve this question? Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's one of these staff um, of whether this, the citizens were promised that Sports Pavilion Lawrence would be free in perpetuity. 
You know, I, I don't, I can't tell you anything that the other staff members on the call haven't already said. I've been sitting here during this discussion, going back and, and looking through old agendas. I might look through those, the, the site that Roger mentioned, and um, I haven't pulled out any uh, contracts or anything. Um, but as far as I know, I still haven't found anything. I did find, I think, the article that the gentleman was talking about that mentioned the city manager at the time. Um, the article I saw the, the the quote was separate from what the the city manager said so i think that there you know there have been lots of conversations in our community about this project it's had lots of different names it's had lots of different forms um and so there you know i don't want to say one way or the other definitely so i i think that's where i would stop i don't know i'm sorry i can't be more definitive um, but like, like everybody else said, as far as I recall, there was never an official action by the city commission. There were also conversations. Now I'm not stopping. There were also conversations about keeping one of the courts open and free. And part of me wonders if some of that may have gotten into this, um, to the community conversation that, you know, as, as the years have gone by a conversation about, is there always going to be a free court? might have gotten conflated with this conversation about how we, um, we we recover the costs. I mean, there were enough people here who don't know each other, who had the same recollection that I think it would be good for the city to, and I don't know if this is legal or what, to either confirm or deny that this was ever a promise made. Because there sure are a lot of people who think it was. Yeah. Um, if the and I'm not trying to be argumentative, I'm asking this for, for help. If people know how we can prove something that didn't happen, <laughs> I'm, I'd like to hear that. We'll, you know, we can go back and look at the official records, right? We, we have city commission meeting agendas from, from all those years. We have city, you know, the meetings are, are recorded, so we can go back and look through all of that. But um, that's where I'm struggling with. How do we... But of course, we want the community to feel like we're doing, you know, following through on those those commitments. But how do we rebuild that? So I hear you and we'll we'll do our best to go back and, and keep looking. But so that really goes back to the trust of all of this, I think, is the core to that. So, OK. Thanks, Casey. John Blazik, did you have anything immediately that you'd like to see in a letter that we're going to give to the city manager? Anything you wanted to make sure we put in there? Um, you know, I just kind of go back and I heard a lot of people talk about transparency, just what you guys mentioned. Um, I think that's something that's got to be brought up. Uh, I've, I've only been here 10 or 11 years, so I don't know much about that if they promised no taxes or, you know, fees. Um, I still go back to this people. I'm on an advisory board. Derek's a director. He needs to make the decision and the mayor and the city council and the city manager go from there. And then if they go with the increases, I'm sending all my emails to Derek. And I don't mean to be, I, I don't mind taking the heat, but I've not yet ran one, ran into one person that agreed with this. So I'm a volunteer and I'm an advisory board. If I was a paid city commission, I would have my opinion and I would, I know how I would vote. So take it from there. I, I didn't say much like normal, but I think transparency is huge. Okay. Thanks, Thanks John. John. 
All right. Um, so that's all we need with the letter. So right. I, I feel we are good. Sir, are we going to write the letter and then have the convene a meeting? Is that what you're wanting to do? Or are you wanting to ask the board to allow you to write the letter and seeing it? Sight unseen. I mean, they'll send it. It, does, it doesn't hurt my feelings to have a quick Zoom meeting. Yeah. Like that's okay. what yes. the board yeah. okay. gets yeah. more transparency, more double check. Okay. Yes. Do we want to look at that twenty? What was it? The the one twenty third, twenty third, or something? If we want to try to make that be the meeting, and then I can work on getting that for that date. Still open on my calendar. Open on my calendar. Okay. And, and again, since it's a short meeting, I don't think it's if there's a different time, unless you want to keep it at five thirty, that's fine too. Yeah, that works for me. Five thirty. Okay. That's don't worry about that. That's not what time. Five thirty p.m. on January twenty-third. And then Zoom only or in person too. It will have it. It's because it's a city. Yeah, we'll have it okay. here, Got but it. we can. You can be Zoom. Okay. That will already occur. Okay. That's okay. Well, the fees will already have occurred by February first, which is a Wednesday. So the first city commission meeting would be February seventh. So they'll get the city commission report after fees. When, when are you getting your city manager report on the agenda? Well, it'd be nice to get it before February. But when, but I mean, when, yeah. are you, when are you? Yeah, of course it would be. I'm, when are you planning? I would think it takes two weeks, or I know we can be get the 24th. So. Correct. If it's tomorrow's the 10th, so two weeks would be the 24th. Okay. So we need, but if they don't do the letter okay. until the 23rd, I guess we could update that. I don't think we have a meeting on the 24th. There you go. Uh, so it's going to Thank be you, Casey. February 7th, is that correct? Yeah, this is messed up. Yeah, oh, I thought right. you were trying to get it on the 17th, Derek. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Are you on the 17th? But that's, Could we make I the 17th? Twice. I mean, okay, what we're going to have to do is <laughs> we'll put it on hold and then we'll figure out a date and we'll get it all. Okay. I'll work with Casey okay. and everybody so tomorrow delayed. and we'll get it. Monday the 16th is Martin Luther King Day, right. which is uh, a bad day for a It's a holiday, yeah. Yeah, it's a holiday. Yeah, it's a holiday. When I'm driving home from tour. <laughs> it's got to be before the... Okay. okay. We'll figure that out. Okay. Let me, we'll work next, on that. January, we'll work next, on next that. week, then. But it's going to have to be pretty quick, so okay. you're going to have to get together okay. and write that letter. <laughs> we can do that. That's easy. <laughs> do you need a... Staff at all with you writing the letter? Just have a staff liaison because so you were part of If you need Lindsay, you can have her there for the meeting. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it'll have to be because I go back on the road Wednesday morning, so I'm okay. out of town. But okay, I, can, Willie. I can work wherever. Okay, Willie. Huh? Willie Nelson. No, no, Willie. <laughs> different, different. I'm on the road again. <laughs> I'm on the road again, though. That's yes. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. All right, so we'll start figuring that out. Okay, so now we're going back to agenda item one, which is the board elections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. That was poorly planned, I think. <laughs> All right. 
so the floor will be open for nominations. The floor is open for nominations for board elections. For the president, for, for the, the chair of the chair board. of the board for the 2024. 23. 23 years. <laughs> 2023 year. Because it takes. When does it change? It starts. Well, it's supposed to start tonight. But they. What usually happens is they get voted in January. The person will last until the end of January because the usually this happens at the beginning of the board meeting, mm -hmm. and so then they just stay yeah. and do the formalities of that meeting typically. Well, we I would like that. to nominate Jackie Becker to remain chair, please. <laughs> and uh, Jackie Becker is saying no, no because I have been elected the president of the Just Food Board this year, <laughs> and I cannot do both. Gotcha. And so Fair. I feel like a Fair. year is a good amount of service for the time that I've done. I'm remaining on the board, but I cannot be the gotcha. chair this year. But how about I nominate Amber? Makes me very nervous to think about being the chair. So not good a not good idea or what? I don't know. It looks hard. <laughs> I'd like to nominate John Albandian. We've had a little bit of a history yeah. of the vice chair moving into the chair role. Would you be willing to serve John? Well, if I had the confidence of the rest of you, I would. Yeah. So you need a second for that nomination that's on the floor. So wait, first of all, the I remove my nomination. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So then we have a, a John Nobandian. Well, John Nobandian nominated her. Okay. And so you want to lift your nomination here? Yeah. Okay. So Remove. now we need a second to okay. Maryland's. I'll second it. All okay. Right. All right. So all those in favor of John becoming. Well, is there any other nomination? Do we do we do the whole ticket or one at a time? No, you can do another nomination for chair. Oh. If there is any other one. Oh. But you want to vote on these separately, though. Okay, so. that's what I'm saying. So we have to do a whole ticket. Okay. No, you do the right. chair and then the vice chair. Right. <laughs> but you but you have a motion on the floor that you got to take care of. So we got to. Okay. Yeah. So there's a so. motion on the floor for John Nobandian to be the chair. So all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Right. Unanimous. Unanimous. Oh. Congratulations, John. I congratulations, John. <laughs> and I would like to nominate Amber Nickel for the vice chair. I will I would take that nomination. Oh good. Okay. I second. Okay, Val. Second. Thank you, Val. All right. All those in favor for Amber Nickel as vice chair. Aye. Aye. Unanimous. Thanks. Okay. All right. So our, our new chair will be John Nobandy, and our vice chair will be Amber Nickel. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. Look forward to serving and learning from you. All right. Uh, now we are on to E, concerns board member, other items of interest. Nothing left in the tank. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> okay. John, did you have anything, Blazek? The, okay. No? okay. All right. You. We're moving on to F other. Let's start with the recreation report. All right. I got nothing. I read it. Yeah, <laughs> our recreation uh, assistant director. I have a uh, division report that was attached with the agenda, but I don't have anything further than that. Thank you. 
Moving on to number two, communications and events. Right, we're uh, putting together events for this year. Um, and then we're also looking at the activity guide, uh, getting that put back together for print as well. So that'll be coming for the summer. Uh, we're working on the summer camps. that will be coming out in February. Uh, so that'll be in-house uh you know, brochure that has all that stuff in it. And I just want to thank the community for coming out today and for for also all the emails that I received. Um, and, and please know that those things do matter to us. Um, and, and it, you know, I know there's a lot of heartfelt conversation even from this seat tonight, and I could see it, sense it. Uh, from a lot of people. Um, and I know it takes a lot to speak up and I appreciate people that have find their voice and are able to speak uh, truth to power or whatever you want to say. It's, you know, it is something that's what community is. It's not pretty sometimes. And I, I just want to say thank you to the board too. As people pointed out, you're a volunteer board and I know you've gotten a lot of emails and uh, probably have been hit up in places when you've gone places. I know one person in particular today. Um, so, so know that it doesn't go unnoticed as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Roger. Uh, moving on to parks. Mark? Hello, I have a 30-page report I'd like to <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to take you off of Zoom. You ain't got a bad connection yeah. under a tunnel. <laughs> No, no, basically, really briefly, we're starting to take down some of the holiday lights. So that's kind of traditionally we'll scale things back. The, the downtown mastery will stay up till February 14th, so Valentine's Day. But we start taking down some of the outlying beds and whatnot. Also doing a lot of work on getting things lined up for 2023, some mowing contracts and various construction projects. Uh, Mark, you might mention the water tower park meeting that we've, we've got the meeting. I'm getting ready to send the letter out February 8th. Wasn't it that we had down for that meeting? I know it hasn't been publicized yet, but that was the date. Isn't that correct? You yeah, already told them it's stole my thunder. Oh, I thought you were done. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's a meeting we've been talking about to get back with that neighborhood on the park redevelopment after the water tower. So we need to come up with a 2024 CIP project. We'll do public engagement to kind of figure out exactly what they want to do up there after the water tower is done in 24. Do we know when, what time, place? Uh, those are things were being worked out. Okay. So that's why it's still in that stage because I have to I have to go through community engagement within the city too to make sure that they understand and are part of this as well. So thanks Mark. And now on to the director's report. I really don't have a lot, but I will close. I, I really do appreciate all the public's comments tonight and emails and phone calls and they're still continuing to come in. Uh, and you know, as a department director, I'm very limited, and we've heard lots of things discussed in the budget on what tools I have in the toolkit and things I can use to adjust the budget. Um, and I truly appreciate everybody's comments. They were from the heart, um, and I get it. Unless there is something that would significantly change the plan to increase current fees, charge emission fees for rec centers and Prairie Park Nature Center, 
The department's going to go ahead and move forward on the February 1st for the fee increases and the March 1st recommendation on a city manager's report to the city commission. Um, I'm going to try and see if I can get on there on the January 17th so that gives opportunity uh, if it is engaged with by the city commission or like more time to adjust. Now then, the department is still responsible for a budget and has to make the hard decisions and going into the 2024 budget, some of those decisions will continue to be made, but at a different level. Um, but again, I appreciate all the support of the board uh, taking on the task force. I know that's not an easy thing to do. Um, I really appreciate the ideas and how can we potentially tailor something for the community and we'll see where it goes from there. So thank you. Yep. Thanks, Derek. All right, so noting on the calendar, February 13th is our next meeting. And then don't forget the uh, LDC health report card, Tuesday, February 28th. And we'll be in contact on the other meeting. And the other meeting then in, in between to <laughs> yes. go over the approval of the letter. So uh, yeah. final way to go out as the chair for, the, for this past year, but uh, it's been enjoyable. And John, I look forward to passing it on to you. So right now I'm looking for one final uh, adjournment motion. Marilyn Hall, I move we adjourn. Cal Renault, I second, and thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. All right. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you so much. Dig the dismount. I'll give you my cough now that I. Oh my God. I'm like, look at Hi, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye.